It's time for Twig This Week in Google. Kind of a special Twig This Week. Stacy and Ann have the week off. Jeff Jarvis and I get to talk to Rabble, who is putting together something very, very interesting. We've talked before about his app Planetary, but he's going to talk about Scuttlebutt. Rabble was the lead developer at Odeo, later worked at Twitter, has a lot of thoughts about the social space and a way to make it better for all of us. Stay tuned. A great conversation is coming up next. A lot of history, too, on Twig. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twig. This is Twig. This week in Google. Episode 687, recorded Wednesday, October 26th, 2022, Rabble Rousing. This Week in Google is brought to you by Melissa. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Try Melissa's APIs in the developer portal. It's easy to log on, sign up, and start playing in the API sandbox 24-7. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. It's time for a twig this week in Google. Show we cover the latest news from Google. In this case, the latest news from the Fediverse. Jeff Jarvis is here. Hello, Jeff. Hello, hello. I'm so excited about today. I am, too. So we have a special guest. Jeff yes, is the Leonard Tao Professor for Journalistic Innovation at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York. Uh, Ant has the day off. Uh, so does Stacy. So we thought, Jeff and I thought, let's bring in somebody who has something to say about this space. I'd like to introduce Rabble. Rabble. Hello, Hello Rabble. Rabble has a lot to say about this space. Most recently... I have lots of opinions. <laughs> most recently, he started a, a new app called Planetary, which I joined immediately. Jeff, you found out about Planetary from Mike Masnick, right? Mike Masnick and Daphne Keller, I was at a conference on freedom of expression, and we were bemoaning the latest news on Twitter and Musk, and they said, and we said, what are the alternatives? What are the alternatives? And the one we came up with, the one they came up with, because they knew, was Planetary and Rebel. Um, so I signed up. It's actually, it's a beautiful app. Not surprising, because uh, Rebel has a lot of experience in app design. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been here before. <laughs> I like the choice of purple as the uh, dominant uh, color theme as well. Anyway, welcome, Rabble. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. I've I've been a fan of Twit forever. Well, we kind of intersected because you were the lead at a little company some will remember called Odeo. What was Odeo? Yep. Odeo was the first attempt at building a a venture-backed, funded company in the podcasting space. We were going to build tools for discovering podcasts, apps for listening to it, uh, tools for making podcasts, and um, yeah, podcast was going to be a thing. We started in two thousand four. Yeah, when podcast started, that was literally a, that was the you thing. know podcast we started in the fall it. of two thousand four. My first podcast was October two thousand four. So uh, yeah, so, so Rebel, tell me about the about the moment of the pivot when you went away from podcasting. Mm. Yeah, so we were doing a podcasting thing. Uh, we went down to Apple and said, let's do a partnership and put the audio directory inside <laughs> iTunes and uh, build creator tools and optimize the interface on the iPod. 
because the iPhone didn't exist then. And Apple said, oh, thank you very much. Those are great ideas. And they turned around and did something oh. without us whatsoever. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Introduce, <laughs> you'd introduce them to the idea. Um, yeah. Audio was great. We were, we were uh, you know, immediately, as soon as Audio uh, started, we, we got in the directory. It was creation of uh, Evan Williams, whose name you may remember, and Noah mm -hmm. Glass. Evan had uh, had come off of Blogger and founded o Audio Blog uh, and Pyra Labs. Uh, actually, Audio Blog was Noah's uh, thing. And, yeah, Audio Blog was Noah's thing. Yeah, which everyone made fun of him for. Yeah, and huh. that and huh. that was the that was the uh, beginning of the obvious corporation. Yep. Uh, I loved Audio, but it turned out that uh, there wasn't much future uh, given Apple's interest in the space. And Evan did something quite famous. He gave the money back to the investors. Yes, although I think that uh, most people uh, a couple years later realized he gave the money back to the investors and therefore they didn't have shares in Twitter. So I'm not sure people were excited in the long run about having them, their, <laughs> oh, yeah. their money being Ow. returned. Yeah, here's your All cash. I got is his cash card. Yeah. That's his redeemable like, Walmart. I could have had pre-seed shares in Twitter. I think I would have preferred that. But at the time, it um, was like an incredibly impressive thing to do. Like it was high integrity. It was very generous at yeah, the time. Yeah. Although yes. maybe Ev had in the back of his mind, you know, this stock might be worth more than I'm giving back. I don't know. What was the time gap between that act and and the eureka for starting Twitter? Oh, uh, the stock got given back. After Twitter was started. Okay. Oh, did? Oh, wow. So okay. Charles River had a pretty big stake then in Twitter. Yeah, Charles River had a pretty big stake. Although my recollection is that Charles River was the investor that pushed to be given back their right. money. Right. Everybody else was oh. like, we'll let the bet ride. And Charles River is like, actually, I, I think you're doing a crazy thing. Give me my money back. <laughs> in hindsight that seems so wrong <laughs> they they were allowed to come back in at later rounds of twitter and made money but not nearly as much money as they had originally so what were you doing before odio well how did you get into this space so what i was doing before odio was i was building a, a bunch of tools around text messaging i built a social network called textmob that we were using to do social network updates over text messages specifically for protests and political organizing. Oh, interesting. We used it in New York at the Republican National Convention in 2004. So you even then, you saw the potential for organizing and protests of this kind of messaging system. Absolutely. I was trying to figure out how do we use emerging technology for social change. And what happened was at Odeo, when... The like when we just got crushed by Apple, we were saying, OK, well, what what do we do? What do we want to do next? And myself and one of the other developers at Odeo, Blaine Cook, had been hacking on this side project to build a social network stuff over text message. And we're like, well, why don't we do something with this like this thing called TextMob? And oh, TextMob wow. wasn't right. Like it wasn't like it was more small groups and it you know, you had to use an email gateway. It was, you know, it was funky, but it was a model. And so the whole company spent a week using TextMob and we used a couple other text message systems and we explored what would be the future of email and other things. And that 
was the basis that then went into the hackathons that created Twitter. Wow. But, so that was that was a lot of the inspiration then for Twitter. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would say that the inspiration for Twitter was text mob, like, oh, we can do this thing where we have, like, lightweight social networks over text messages. And then uh, we looked at past networks we'd used and what we liked, and we looked at Blogger and the way it had, you know – Maybe there should be something that reads and writes at the same time as a feed reader and a publishing tool. And then we, you know, looked at Jack's stuff with bicycle messenger dispatch and status updates. And, and Twitter was really all of these ideas thrown into a blender. Mm -hmm. What did you learn at TextMob that you brought to Twitter? What what didn't work at TextMob? Because it's very similar. It was text Good messaging, question. right? It was SMS. So the 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 follower relationship that Twitter has you know, uh, text mob was a bi-directional thing ah. and it had formal groups. So you would either join a large group or a small group and you could send out to everybody in the group. Uh, there were broadcasts, but I couldn't just follow other specific people in text mob. Mm -hmm. And text mob was the, it was really hard to sign up. Like we, we, you know, and what Noah did was he actually, got an old Nokia phone and had some, you know, pirated Windows software and plugged in a <laughs> USB cable. And that's how Twitter started sending SMSs. Uh, TextMob actually used a Java applet that ran an email gateway for SMS delivery, and we would just hide it in other web pages. Uh, and so in the background, it'd be, you know, running this peer-to-peer -peer network, sending it because we didn't want to spend any money. Uh, but Twitter's use of a, you know, an actual phone worked better. And then eventually, uh, you know, we actually got relationships with carriers and legitimately delivered the SMSs. I remember that in the early days, Twitter had a short code, uh, which made it a lot easier. What was the short code? It was good. Yep, 40404. That's it, 40404. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another good joke, yeah. Uh, were you, so at this time, Twitter was in San Francisco. Were you in that famous uh, South Park gathering where they're on the swings <laughs> and uh, playing on the playground and, and coming up with this whole idea? I mean, there were lots of these conversations. Yes, I spent a bunch of time on the swings. I don't think, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of there legendary was a now, there. you know? Yeah, there's a playground in South Park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we went and got the burritos at the burrito place and, <laughs> and sat down. It's, it's since been, I think, remodeled. Oh. But um, so I, I don't remember that specific conversation. I remember that we had lots of conversations. I do remember that we had a video of Twitter being demoed when it was six hours old. Wow. And because YouTube wasn't around... We just shared it on the local file system on the local network because we had no other way to share a video. And we've all lost that video. Like oh. the demo video of Twitter at six hours oh. old. It's probably sitting on someone's laptop in someone's garage. But, you know, there's an email from Ev saying, download the demo video. It's here. You know, here's the here it is on my file system. Make a copy. Here from uh, the Wayback Machine uh, is a Flickr image of Twitter back when it was TWTTR. There was no, there were no vowels. And the question yep. was, what are you doing? That stayed, that stayed for a long time. And then there's the, the field. And then these are quote, your people, the people you're, you're following here. 
uh, you know, including a lot of the names uh, we, we all know. Um, Biz and, and of course, Rebel, it was meant to replace your message every time. In the earliest iteration, this iteration, were those messages archived or did they, in fact, disappear? They were always archived. Okay. You could, you could always see a history of it, you know, because we saw it as microblogging. We saw it as, right. you know, lighter and easier and faster than normal blogging, you know, making posts that people wouldn't, wouldn't care about, like, writing something more substantial. So you were there at the birth of Twitter, really? Absolutely, yeah. Um, was there a sense as you're, as you're doing this that this is going to be... Because I remember, you know, at this time, there was a lot of stuff going on. People were trying a lot of different things in this social idea. There was dodgeball. Remember dodgeball? And, uh, uh, you know, I think right around then... Uh, we started posting our location everywhere we went. Uh, <laughs> Who's uh, the mayor? Yeah, I was the mayor of a lot of places. What's the, what was the name of that program? Now I was drawing a blank. It's amazing. This wasn't so, that that long ago. Foursquare. So dodgeball yeah, went. So I dodgeball like, was acquired by Google, and then they quit yep. and founded Foursquare. Right. Yep. Foursquare. I, I really liked dodgeball, and then I when Foursquare came along, it was it was at South by that everybody started using that. And uh, and that was very exciting. And for many years, I now in hindsight, it looks incredibly stupid and naive. I would automatically post my location as I went everywhere. Oh, it's sweet. It's nice. I remember the, Robert. We I'm having for. a nice lunch somewhere, and Robert Scoble shows up. I said, Robert, how do you do? <laughs> well, that's what, scary. What you, yeah, I said, what are you doing here? He said, Well, you, I was following you on dodgeball, and <laughs> here, here I am. Uh, it was naive. It was very naive. That was uh, that was a different time. Yeah, there was also Jaiku and Pounce and yeah. Gowalla, and there was a ton of others. Yep. You know, Scoble was the first Twitter influencer. He actually, at one point, he had 3,000 followers, and it broke the site when he tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> and he no, was so I'm proud. So I got proud. to, uh, I, I was at 5,000 followers at one point, which was the most... At that time, and then uh, Kevin Rose and I got in a battle over who could have be number one, and then some guy named Ashton Kutcher came along, <laughs> and I can only imagine what that did to the servers. Now, it, at at one point, you know, now years later and over time, custom database servers and a ton of code was written to schedule, you know, make it work in a real time, and some of the features were were dropped, but there was at one point where if the servers crashed during the day San Francisco time, there was no way to get the caches hot again until the night. So the, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> if it was down midday, it was going to stay down till everybody went to sleep. So how long were you at Twitter? How long did you stay there? So I, I was there from 2004 when we started Odeo through the middle of 2006. You know, we started the first prototypes of Twitter are from February 2006, and the version we have now launched in March. And I I didn't think it was going anywhere, and Katarina Fake and Stuart Butterfield recruited me to go over to work the at, the founders at of Yahoo. They, they were yeah. purchased by Yahoo. and uh, They were purchased by Yahoo, and yeah. they, they were – building a team and 
Yahoo seemed like a more stable, better funded <laughs> thing. And uh, I like the Flickr folks. <laughs> who was CEO of Yahoo then? I don't, I, I don't even remember. There were so many. Was Jerry still or was he gone by then? <laughs> no, he was, he was still there. Right, because but not boss. We went in and pitched Yahoo to buy Twitter. It was Terry Semmel. Wow. Terry Semmel. And so Terry, Terry Semmel, Semmel yeah, offered $25 million to buy Twitter. And Jack countered saying, I want $100 million. And <laughs> like last year I was talking to Ev about it and he's like, no way. We were never going to sell. Just I thought I should do the meetings. But. Um, was that because he really thought it was going somewhere that that it was worth more than a hundred million? We'll never sell this. No, I think he just didn't <laughs> want to be acquired again. He'd been through it. He'd, yeah, he'd been through it. At he'd Google. been through it, and the the blogger team hated being at Google. Yeah. Google didn't get blogger. Yeah. They didn't get yeah. social. No, social right. folks didn't it's like a miracle Google. Still alive. Yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed that Google hasn't shut it down because Shh, let's not tell them <laughs> they forgot about it. It really looks like the land that time forgot. It looks ancient. It is. It is. The Google engineers that were assigned to Blogger hated it. Yeah, they they wanted to work on like big data and yeah. Google search and <laughs> yeah. all these like hard engineering problems. And the Blogger team is like, let's make people connect. In a way, that's still the problem at Google, right? It's not if it's not sexy, I, it's still we're not there. Work on it. No blogger is, I know, the blogger's yeah. still there. But it's also but kind of the problem generic too. problem with Google, which is if it ain't sexy, we don't. You know, we're not going to maintain an old product. That's the last thing I want to do. I'm a Googler, man. So um, you you, were at Yahoo. you went to Yahoo. <laughs> I yeah. you know I was a friend of uh, Yerji Ekstrom yeah. when they started Jaiku. <laughs> I love Jaiku. I was always looking yeah. for. The next thing. Uh, I remember when, uh, was it Ariel who started Pounce? I remember when Pounce started. Um, there were so many interests. This was a very vital space. And it was all inspired by Twitter. But it was trying different stuff. Jaiku had threaded conversations, for, for instance, which is something Twitter never did. Yeah, Jaiku was amazing. And yeah. there was a whole sort of renaissance of it. And... There was this idea that maybe this Web 2.0 thing should be based on these open APIs and we should oh, collaborate God. and we should oh. make these standards. Uh, Tear my heart and, out. <laughs> and now we're 15 years later having the same conversations. Yeah. We're more siloed than we were back then, I think, really. Um, was Jaiku, We were very open. Yeah. Was Jaiku XMPP? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. So Jaiku was XMPP, but Twitter was also XMPP. Oh, really? Yeah, so you could, like, the first Twitter API was both REST and XMPP. So we gave a, a talk at um, the O'Reilly Open Source Conference about, like, how to build APIs over XMPP. And we got Federation, just like Mastodon works now, between Jaiku and Twitter going and on this API. Uh, but XMPP didn't scale well for his API, not the way REST does. And so... When Twitter started having scaling problems, the XMPP API was dropped. Yeah. Scaling was, of course, the big issue on Twitter for a long time, the fail whale and all of that. It was originally a Ruby on Rails project. Yep. Which uh, was great for the first version. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's what Rails is great, right? MVP. Get it out the door. It's, you know, your first line of code, it's running code. <laughs> it's running the way, yeah. you know. So it really feels good. But obviously, it's not an ideal solution for scaling. Were you there in the attempts to scale? I, I was there in the attempts to scale. At some point, I, you know, moved across the street, but, uh, you know, over to Yahoo Brickhouse. But I think I had root on all the servers and was doing code commits for oh my God. till 2008. What? Wow. <laughs> See, Mudge was right. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, Twitter security was really good by the time Mud showed up. Oh, compared to the previous. <laughs> <laughs> the root password on all the servers was the company name and the year it was founded. Oh, my God. Jeez. So you could remote Jeez. SSH in to root with the password ODO2005 <laughs> and get in. <laughs> the and they, that was also the password for subversion, so you can commit code. And there were commit oh hooks God. on subversion that would auto-deploy anything in subversion to production. What? So ran tests and things. So, like, at one point, I was at a conference in Dublin, and I'm like, I can't see at replies. Like, I can't see mentions in the mobile thing. And I just, like, opened up the code and added it and pushed it, and it just auto-deploys. <laughs> you weren't working there at the time. You. <laughs> this was, this was like, two years after I quit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, those are the days. Oh, God. Uh, was that a naivete? Was it uh, – I don't understand why they didn't have better – Sec ops. I mean, oh, this is not important. I don't even use thing. passwords for my SSH. <laughs> I can't believe they did. Uh, let I, alone I, Twitter 2004. <laughs> <laughs> Our chief engineer says, "Be right back. I'm changing Twit's passwords right now." <laughs> <laughs> That's remar I, I, That's remarkable. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, uh, I was not on the operations server side of things. I was not one of the admins. But um, that's amazing. You know, that's amazing. Obviously, th this is great for you because this is a this is part of the learning curve. You you in on somebody else's dime, you really get to see what works, what doesn't work. And I'm sure you're sitting there as a as a talented engineer thinking, you know, this could be done a little bit better. Were you feeling that way? Well, so at one point there was a very heated argument between the engineering team at early Twitter and the ops team. And, you know, rumor has it that chairs were thrown in the meeting room. Oh my I, God. <laughs> everybody insists no chairs were thrown. They were just kicked over. But there, <laughs> there was some very heated debates about this stuff because, you know, the servers were going down. Everyone was blaming each other. Everyone was trying to keep it up. And, you know, frankly, the security in the ops system wasn't up to the task of what, what was needed. Yeah. So how long did you stay at, uh, at Flickr then? I stayed at, I stayed at Flickr for, or at Yahoo for, for two years until Valleywag wrote an article saying I was working remotely from Uruguay. And Yahoo fired me. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> you were so much ahead of your time. Are, where yeah. are, you're not, are you in Uruguay? Where, no, you're in New Zealand now, yes? I'm in New Zealand now, yeah. Nice. So what you've always been a little peripatetic. Yeah, it must be late at night, right? 
No, it's a uh, 10:30 in the morning. Oh, it's early morning. Okay. Well, that's right. That's right. But it's my yeah. it's my Thursday. But it's so tomorrow. I'm, at, I'm in the yeah. future. It's morning yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's keep going through the uh, process. Yeah, yeah, so, well, what did you work resume, on? Yeah. What did you work on at Yahoo from Uruguay? Yeah. So I uh, I worked on this. Uh, well, one we got Yahoo to adopt OAuth because you know I don't know if people remember OAuth, the ability to like log Sounds in with work. Twitter, Yahoo, everything else. That came out of. Uh, Twitter, actually, and Flickr not wanting to share people's passwords. Right. So I got Yahoo to do the security audit, uh, and then we launched this thing called Fire Ego, which was a, a location-sharing oh, brokerage totally service, remember that. Which yes. you probably remember that. Yeah. Yes. So I built Fire Eagle. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so was that uh, inspired by Dodgeball and uh, Foursquare, or was it? Absolutely. It was like yeah. Dodgeball and Foursquare is one thing, but like, what if we could work more on the phone level, get your location, and then share it out, but fuzzed for different applications? So one would just be like, this is where I am, you know, show me what city I'm in, and another application could know your exact location. And rather than each application directly acting the phone where you are, you could ask a privacy layer that would let you see what data you were passing out. It actually was a good idea, uh, but... Probably needed to be on the phone OS level, not a Yahoo service. Oh, yeah, right. but but right. it used OWASP, and it was interop, yep. and it was secure interop. Um, so it was really ahead. I mean, it was actually a, a, a little bit of ahead of its time, frankly. Yeah, and and we did some neat privacy things where the the if you weren't logged in or you didn't have an active session, you couldn't match a user's location with their identity. Yeah, so. We had some like fun cryptography for some like zero knowledge proofs and stuff like that. That oh, how cool! Meant that if someone came and got a copy of Yahoo's database of everything, they would know who was in the database and where people were, but not who was where. I very much huh. remember using Fire Eagle and thinking this is really cool, and you could use your location on movable type or on uh, on other tools. It was a really right. uh, really clever yeah, that. yes uh, implementation, and again. <laughs> I'm that naive guy who has been all along posting my location every five minutes everywhere I go. So I didn't see any issue with location. But it sounds like, uh, Rabble, you've always been kind of aware of, even back then when no one else was, certainly I wasn't, of privacy and security issues. Like, uh, did you, were you already thinking this this could be a problem going forward? Of course. Yeah. You know, and and... There were there were debates in early Twitter days, like, can you at reply anybody? You know, by that point, at, by the time at replies and that highlighting got added, I wasn't on the team anymore. But Blaine was there. He built the original Twitter API. He built, you know, added support for at replies and, you know, basically everything in early Twitter Blaine built. And he was like, no way should you be able to at reply anybody. You should only be able to at reply people that you have a social connection with already. Interesting. Huh. And huh. Twitter's finally and, coming back around to that, by the way, which is interesting. Other folks well, on the team now. were like, oh, no, we need we need this thing because we need to be able to get that kind of viral growth and open. And, and what, what bad thing could happen with someone at replying you? Yeah. Uh, ask, me, uh, <laughs> ask me all about that. <laughs> I have a lot to say about at replies. Um, actually, I haven't read an at reply in ages. <laughs> come, to, come to think of it, for that reason, it's a uh, it's a yeah. way you can you can you know throw poop out of your mon- monkey cage at anybody uh, as they go by. Um, uh, 
So you, so till that's then, interesting because that was not then. the focus of Twitter. The focus of Twitter at the time was growth, more than anything else. Well, the focus of the Twitter was not even trying to drive growth. The focus of Twitter in those early days was just keep up surviving with surviving it. Yeah. yeah, surviving it. Um, remember, and then, you know, a business Adam. model will come in the future. Everything, right. you know, it was just keep the lights on, right? And don't. Don't repeat the mistake of Friendster. Yes, and, and what would you what would you mark as the core mistake of Friendster? The Friendster was having trouble scaling. They couldn't scale, yeah. and right. they couldn't scale. And instead of slowly working on iterating this, I ended up actually working with the lead engineer Ian McFarland from Friendster a few years later. Instead of taking parts of Friendster and replacing it, they did a monolithic rewrite for two years. And rewrote the whole thing in Java and finally got a version to scale. But by then, their users were gone. Right, 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 right. So uh, Ev said said to me once um, that when Twitter started, there was no vision of it being this uh, uh, axle for news, that people would report news. There was a moment kind of when they said, oh, hell, everybody's going to say what's going on around them. Jeez, this is the new wire service, the new news. When did that kind of realization come of the Twitter was more than saying, I'm in the bar. That was a few years in. Like, it was definitely after I left. Um, and it was, you know, there was an idea that Twitter should be used by celebrities and that it would be good for people who had an audience. And we sent Adam Adam Rugel, who was our sort of biz dev guy, down to Los Angeles to find a celebrity used Twitter. And the only person he could find to join Twitter was the... Assistant scriptwriter for My Name is Earl. <laughs> that, that was Twitter's first celebrity from Hollywood. Uh, oh, how great. far they've come. <laughs> and there was even an attempt in the early years to sponsor the MTV Music Video Awards, oh, which also didn't get any engagement. Like, yeah. people didn't get it. I do remember, um, though, at some point, seeing at signs in the credits of shows and uh, into lower yep. thirds yep. at us, it really did start to gain currency. And that I think probably more than anything else brought Twitter to the mainstream. Well, South, South by was 2007, right? When it, when it took yeah, off. South, so by. South by was South by was 2007 and, and it wasn't accidental. Like Twitter rented right. screens and put them throughout the hallways at South by and built a custom app to yeah, display smart. tweets from South by yep, at the event. So, yeah. you know, here on Twit we have this IRC back channel, but what what the point of Twitter at South by was was to basically move that back channel into Twitter and make it visible. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So you have in a dull uh, a dull session. Who's in a good one? Right? Yeah. So you're you're unemployed in Uruguay. What then? <laughs> Drinking a lot of Herba Mate, no doubt. <laughs> so I, I'm unemployed in Uruguay, and a you know, I hang out there. I open a co-working space, run a Ruby conference, do things like that, and eventually um, Joe Ito reaches out, and uh, I join a uh, a project to build a sort of a pivotal labs lean startup type studio with with Joe Ito and 
um, Eric Reese and Ian McFarland, who had been CTO of Friendster and then went over to Pivotal. And, uh, you know, we tried to build a new product innovation lab. So I did that for a couple of years. Was was a Joy at a Media Lab, MIT's Media Lab at the time, or was this pre, pre that? No, this was before he was at Media Lab. Then okay. I followed him to the Media Lab. Okay, and you were at Media Lab. Cool. Yeah, Very I went cool. to join the, the Center for Civic Media group at the Media Lab because by this point, Twitter had become a big deal. Social media had become a big deal. And I went and uh, tried to understand what had happened and how to do it better. Yes. And also... Twitter, by this point, had shut down its open API ecosystem. And that was a huge thing. And that was the thing that inspired me to try and do something new. Because as long as Twitter had its API ecosystem, it wasn't a protocol, but it worked like that. You could go build your own thing. So that's interesting. Uh, So what's the distinction between a protocol and an API? An API is hosted Right. So I have the API, a protocol everybody can use. Is that the chief difference? That's the main difference. I mean, if you were developing a Twitter app, you would just connect to the Twitter servers. And originally, there was all those third party Twitterific apps. And you would just put your Twitter username and password in there. And we thought that that was terrible because people were using passwords and you have to trust these apps. And so that's where OAuth comes Ah, from. Okay. Which lets you register the apps, right. and then your authentication stuff stays in Twitter. the The thing we didn't realize was that using OAuth protected users, but it also shifted the power from the app developers, who were originally just they needed users' consent because you just username, password, and you access the Twitter servers to Twitter and Facebook and others being able to control the apps that are in their ecosystem. Right. So I still, it's which I still is have, how Twitter shut it down. Yeah. How did do, doing what? Turning off the API. Yeah, or limiting it. You can only have a hundred thousand API keys. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so remember, we all Jack? remember that some of our favorite clients, you know, they couldn't oh, add yeah. new members because they'd used up all their keys and uh, so forth. And it was really the beginning of then. Of course, you've talked about this before, Jeff, because you were friends right. with Bill Gross. And uh, that really put the kibosh on Bill's ambitions. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. What well, he tried to, yeah, uh, so tried to the, buy every one of them. <laughs> yeah. The, the Bill Gross Sorry, story right. is super fascinating. He's, like, he's the first billionaire, or I don't know if he's actually a billionaire, but it's the first like, person who said, Twitter's a show. I'm going to do something about it. And he had this thing, Uber Media. And right. I've got full disclosure, to, I'm an investor in Uber Media. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, I don't know what happened to Uber Media recently, but uh, the idea was to buy up the Twitter clients and then be able to have people cross post and have a right. site that didn't crash and then maybe had a business model. And uh, Dick Costello and the Twitter, you know, Ryan Sarver, who was running their platform stuff, they all freaked out and shut down their open ecosystem, bought TweetDeck. Like basically, under Bill's went to nose, war against. Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to war against Bill Gross and uh, kept the ecosystem, but but they, you know, they, you know, it's they killed the, you know, they they destroyed the village to save it. 
Absolutely. And you know what? You know what's interesting, Rebel, is that Bill didn't do it because he was um, rapacious. He did it because he loved Twitter. He saw that Twitter uh, had such potential, and it killed him every time the fail whale went up, and it killed him that 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 you couldn't expand it enough. So he was going to show the way and create. His main goal was to create monetization, but yeah, then then it got the rug got pulled up underneath him. And you know, this was my argument with Ryan Sarver. He's a VC now, but he was running platform at at Twitter time. Like I thought, what Twitter should do was make the app developers revenue partners yes. in this, and the, yes. and the Twitter team was like. Oh, no, we can't run ads through third parties because we don't know if they will cheat the system or everything else. And it was like, instead of making these third-party developers people who could make money with Twitter off of the ads that were consumed on their apps, Twitter saw them as an antagonistic thing and fought against them. And a tremendous amount of goodwill was burned there. Amen. Two questions. Two questions related to that. Um, uh, and, and, And... I'll list two possible errors in those days, right? One was Jack said it shouldn't have been a company. It should have been a protocol. He said that and recently. Then, yep. He said it recently, right? Or, or then the other one is Twitter should have kept the APIs open and done what you just said. Um, what's your shoulda, woulda, coulda for Twitter, uh, both for it to have succeeded then and for it to be safer now? I mean, I think those are both true. I think that Twitter... By the time Ev and Jack had left, left, everybody at Twitter forgot where Twitter's innovation came from. And so mm-hmm. they thought that Twitter, the company, had done it. But Twitter, you know, the, the phrase was always, Twitter's too important for Twitter, the company, to, to run, you know. And Twitter never did any of its innovation. The, you know, right. at replies and search and hashtags and inline mm-hmm. links and images and video and tweet streams and, you know, Twitter space, everything came from third-party developers in the community. And so what, you know, the biggest problem was Twitter lost its open API, it lost its protocolness, and it lost the idea that innovation is coming from the edges. So let's fast forward to today because that's, I take it, kind of the inspiration uh, for Scuttlebutt, which is a protocol. Is it your, you've written or your team has written? I work on it, yeah. Okay. So it's an open protocol. Others are working on it as well. Yeah. And and, and your and Planetary, which is your currently uh, iOS-only, uh, uh, I don't want to say Twitter clone, instantiation <laughs> of Scuttlebutt, uh, a.k.a. a Twitter clone, uh, is based on Scuttlebutt. And uh, as a result, can federate with other Scuttlebutt services? Is that how it works? Yeah, so Scuttlebutt's actually a peer-to-peer. It it doesn't use uh, federated servers as intermediaries. Ah. Uh, so what? Oh. What I and a bunch of the other people, you know, these not just your, myself. This is your learnings, but, though, from all these years of, of turmoil with social media. Uh, uh, basically, all of the early engineers at Twitter, and for the first couple of generations liked the idea of it being more protocol and more platform waste and looked at how to how to build this. And I and, and Blaine Cook and a bunch of other people were looking at emerging technologies and we tried to build it on top of BitTorrent and ZeroNet and IPFS and kept playing with it. And eventually, 
uh, I came to a conference here in New Zealand and met this hacker who lives off the grid on a sailboat, Dominic Tarr, <laughs> and he had built this social protocol called Scuttlebutt. And I'm like, hey, this is super interesting, except that you have to compile your own clients. What if we added a really great product person and made this more accessible? So I went back to Tom Coates, who I worked with on Fire Eagle and was the person that Ev desperately wanted to be the lead designer at Odeo and, and Twitter, but wasn't able to recruit. And I told Tom, I'm like, Tom, what do you think we do? We start this company where we, we, we create this and we, we design it. And the community said, yes, they want us to commercialize their protocol. And some of the investors said, yes, you know, I believe in this original vision. And, you know, what, what I didn't realize is, how hard the tech would be to build it. Cause it's, you know, I'm now four years into it. And, and finally we have an app that feels decent. So this is interesting. So I uh, run, for instance, a Mastodon server, which is uh, yep. essentially based on activity pub uh, via GNU social and Identica and Evan Prodromo. And, you know, there's a long history uh, but the idea is you run a server. You could run a server just for yourself, but that's kind of a heavyweight thing to do. But you could run, you run a server, and then you can sh uh, put stuff up on the on the you know you you can toot it as we say in, in Mastodonese, <laughs> and it, and it, and others can follow you from any other server. It's federated, so that's kind of the I, I understand the federated notion. In fact, my first question to you when we started emailing is, well, why didn't you why didn't you do something on ActivityPub? And so ActivityPub and ActivityStreams are super interesting. Uh, they were an attempt to open up Twitter and an attempt to sort of revive that vision of Twitter, which had been federated briefly, and make it real. But ActivityPub has a, have a few problems. One, they never really addressed the issue of verifying content, like who did this thing. You have to trust the federated nodes. There's no way to move between one federated node and another. So if I want to you know, say, oh, I, you know, if mastodon.social gets deleted and disappears, then everyone who knows that I'm rabble at mastodon.social loses track of me, I lose track of them. And mm -hmm. there's no way for me to have private messages either individually or in a group between people, between servers. So you have to completely trust whoever's running your server there. And so there's a privacy problem with that, but also it means that you can't just do new message types very easily. You can't build new kinds of applications. So on Scuttlebutt, you can play a game of chess or we have a clone of GitHub or, you oh, know, how interesting. there's a, a recipe share. Everything. It's, you know, you can build any kind of social app on top of it. Now, what Planetary does is a pretty traditional social feed type thing where you can link between data and collaborate. But there are a lot of different ones. And, you know, Planetary is a iOS app, but there are Firefox plugins and there's Miniverse, which is an Android app and iOS app. So, and you can take your account, your cryptographic keys and go from the planetary app and put it in any of those other apps. And then you get different algorithms and different feeds oh, and different structure cool. of what kind of data you're playing. So right now, and so when Mastodon- that is critical. That's great. Because when Mastodon that technology is shutting down as a big Mastodon server, yeah. and a lot of people are migrating, and you can migrate, but you have to tell everybody, this is my new fully qualified address, 
I now live here. It's a complicated process. And you really, you're right. You're not really taking everything with you. All I take now is my key. It's a public, a private key system. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's an ED25519 key. It's the same, you know, it's, you know. You're laughing, but that's the best gotta, key. That's the key I use for my SSH, see, by the way. Instead you would of, know. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Twit you know. 2004, I use <laughs> an ED22159. <laughs> so, okay, so, so you when, have a key. And by the way, the nice thing about that key pairs are You don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't care. Yeah, it's super small. Yep. And, you know, you have... Uh, you know, you can, we have these identity servers. So like you can go to rabble.nz and it'll take you to find me. But my actual identity is this key that exists on this peer to peer network. It works offline. I don't even have to have an internet connection. If two phones that have the app or a laptop and a phone are in the same place, they'll start syncing directly without any internet connection at all. Wow. And, uh, we've done experiments with, uh, scuttlebutt nodes that sit on the back of, trucks that work by NGOs that drive between villages in Brazil and in Africa. Oh, that's really important. Sync to people's phones Huge. where there's no Wi-Fi, there's no cell phone service. Huge. Everything can go down. The protocol keeps working. So it's fully distributed. Uh, yeah. You know, I, for a long time, I used a Keybase account to kind of as a proof of identity. Same kind of the idea, but they had to host it and people had to know I was there. Yeah. Um, this way I can keep my own keys do you run a what do you do you run something locally that or do you do you choose a server or does it matter you you run something locally so in planetary's case either on the mac because we're desktop app too or in your phone or your ipad it stores your keys in your apple keychain and it gets backed up on okay iCloud. okay um and then it sinks uh, you know speaking of keybase did you know that there's a keys.pub which is one of the keybase guys who's gone and, and rewritten keybase but based on modern technology. Oh, hallelujah. Two five five one nine keys. Keybase was with, a sad story of a wonderful site that got bought by Yahoo, uh, Zoom, rather. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Yahoo. And uh, yeah. it's still there. So this is, though, so he kept it alive. Okay. Yeah, so this Very is, nice. I'm not sure exactly who it is, but some of the Keybase people have gone off and built this thing, keys.pub, which is a rewrite of Keybase. Nice. Which it needed because it has legacy. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, there's not a large ecosystem around it yet, but I'm super excited about it because because it lets us do that thing we could do with Keybase. So can this interoperate with Scuttlebutt somehow? It's it's on our to-do list. Yeah. Because that would be the goal, right? Uh, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Stacy used to call it the blob, where you have uh, a proof of your identity. And you can use that everywhere i mean i guess it's kind of pass keys is sort of trying to do that you can use that everywhere but more importantly you use that to to control your personal information and data and i guess content and anything else you want and keep it it's yours you share it in any yeah. way you want with anybody else but it's yours and this really is a solution i don't know if this is what tim berners lee is thinking about uh with his ideas but this is really the solution is for you to own your data your vault your vault. Yeah. And and solid, which is Tim Berners-Lee's new thing, yeah. is, is one is is one of the ways that working on it. The other thing that the other major insight that I got working on this is that the data isn't the most important thing. Like the reason Instagram and Twitter let it's you know, even Tinder lets you download all of your data is because 
that's fine. The data isn't the valuable thing. The connection between people yes. and the ability to connect to them, address them, and find them is the important thing. And so, so that's the thing we need to protect and also make sure are in the hands of users. So, so, so Rebel, I, I, Leo, it's Leo's show. This is not a democracy. No, 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 no. I want you to ask oh, no, 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 questions. I want, to, I want uh, to put something out here. Yeah. I, want, I want to jump ahead to come back. Where I want to end yeah. up in this conversation, there's so much to go here. But but is is two things. One, I'm eager to hear your views of Blue Sky and the, what they've just announced yes. and how that fits into yep. this ecosystem or does not. Point one, and then point two, um, with whatever the ecosystem, scuttlebutt, planetary, Blue Sky, at all. Uh, if if Elon Musk, uh, with his sink that he took into the lobby today, um, flushes all of Twitter down the drain, and there's kind of disaster, disaster, bat signal. And that's that's you know that's that's what that was what the discussion yep. was with um, Mike Masnick and Daphne Keller was oh my God what do we do who's in a position to do something bad signal rabble so I, I'm, <laughs> I'm eager to hear um, you I don't know, in whatever order your vision for what could be an alternative and what that looks like and, and what does it mean to interoperate and what does it mean to get our social graphs what does it mean to hold all those connections and so on and then how these things fit together or don't. So absolutely. So for folks that don't know, uh, Blue Sky is a independent public benefit corporation that was funded a couple years ago, or uh, proposed a couple years ago and funded last year. It's got $13 million of investment from Twitter, but it's uh, Jack is the chair of the board of Blue Sky. It's an independent organization. And the goal is basically to follow through with Mike Masnick's article of, of protocols, not platforms. Right. That Twitter should be a protocol. We should make something that's like Twitter as a protocol. Um, and then people could, could build on top of it. Uh, that's something that I've advocated. It's something that Jack advocated early on that didn't end up happening. Uh, I, you know, I went into, to, to Jack and biz and pitched planetary before we were announced to raise before Blue Sky existed and say, look, we need to do this protocol thing. And there was this giant debate with Twitter lawyers about whether or not uh, they were allowed to invest and whether or not Twitter was allowed to invest. And Biz ended up investing, but Jack didn't. And But the idea stuck. And it's a good idea. And, and first, it's, you know, Blue Sky is small. They're a three-person team. Right. You know, it's, you know, Dan, Paul, and Jay uh, – Jay and Paul were both Scuttlebutt developers. Uh, oh. Paul also oh. worked on the DAP protocol and worked on the Beaker browser. Um, Dan was working on IPFS stuff with this company called Vision Codes. Like, they're all great folks, and they're doing great work, but it's a teeny team. And I'm super excited about where that protocol is going. Now, there's some design differences that are between Scuttlebutt and Planet, you know, and the app protocol, which are a little different. The app protocol is uses keys and signed logs, and a lot of the tech is the same, but it uses relay servers. But unlike the Fediverse relay servers, you have a root key which you can move your identity from one server to the other. So you're, you know, it, it inverts the control, which I right. think is the important thing there. And it then has a space for 
not all of the feed algorithms and the spam stuff happening on device, but you can outsource it to cloud services. Say, you know, I want to use Twitter's recommendation algorithm, or I want to use Planetary's recommendation algorithm, or I want to use, you know, right, you know, OpenAI's recommendation algorithm. Or I can I can and, start a whole new company to make just be in the business of recommendations, and you can pay me for it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, and so. Uh, I'm super excited about the the app protocol that's coming out of it. Um, I've been, you know, I've been involved with Blue Sky, not as an employee, but as a, you know, a collaborator since before it was Yay. announced. And this, you know, it's a it's a great team of people, but it's a teeny team that's work. You know, it's based on the idea that don't get big fast. Get a small group of people who have a long history of being able to figure this stuff out and work on it and build something interesting. But uh, we have an emergency. Unfortunately, one could for say. yes, yeah. Well, I I wish that we were going a little bit faster, uh, yeah. but I also wish that Planetary was going faster. Like every time right. something comes in the news, I'm like, why? You know, why haven't I solved that memory leak problem? And why? You know, <laughs> you know, Scuttlebutt has two f- feed encoding formats. One doesn't let you delete that's terrible (laughs) and like we haven't we haven't you know we've got the code for the one that lets you delete and the one that lets you do like scalable private groups so you can say everybody who follows me can read my messages but no one else can but we haven't deployed that yet because this stuff is hard um how much investment so would either or both of you need to scale into something significant to be able to, to, for people to export things into you and continue life. I think we need, you know, I think blue skies, $13 million is the right kind of initial investment to get a, a basic thing working. We only raised one and a half million dollars at planetary, uh, you know, $10 million would actually get us there. You know, we could have an Android app. We could have a full web team and we can move forward a lot faster. Um, but, you know, you, you work with what you've got. You know, one of the, one of the tricky things is when I've gone to investors, one, everyone loves to talk to me because they like to hear the Twitter stories and whatnot. But <laughs> also they're like, I'm sure you can build the tech, but how do you get the users? <clears throat> you know, how do you get the users in a lockdown ecosystem where Apple and Google control the app stores and make the rules? How do you get the users where uh, you've got a few big players? And and that's a hard problem. But my answer is always be that the big players are going to continue to screw up and sell themselves to Elon Musk or have, you know, Instagram change it so nothing in your feed is something you follow. And... That's going to drive people to look for something else, but the, the something else has to work. And and it and it, what's interesting and maybe what makes it hard to sell is that something else is kind of amorphous. It could be a variety of different yeah. instantiations. I think the real selling point here is you control your identity and you own your identity and and, and your graph, yeah. yeah, and your graph and your graph your connections. Yeah. So the the graph one is fascinating. So. If we just publish in public all of our contacts and graph and like who we know, that's a terrible idea because it's like spam and privacy and all sorts of stuff. But the answer to it actually comes out of this thing called private set intersection, which was the algorithm that Apple and Google used for their COVID contact tracing app, um, where you can securely check who do I know 
in common with you. And now that we verified we know these people in common, I'm going to share with you how to get a hold of them on this new network. Cool. And that algorithm of private set intersection, one, it didn't exist when we were doing the original Web 2.0 companies. But we need that because otherwise, if we just expose everybody's contacts, everyone else, it's going to be a disaster. You know, Facebook right. is right to protect users by locking down their social graph. It also gives them a walled garden and is kind of terrible, but they they aren't wrong about protecting users. So, so, so Rabble, what can I today um, export from Twitter? What should I be able to export from Twitter? First part of question. Second part of question, what does it take for you to be able to take it and let us continue life there? So right now you can export from Twitter, you can find your stuff and you get all of your data, but you don't get your follow relationships. Interestingly enough, the Scuttlebutt app that Jay Graber wrote for Scuttlebutt is an app that lets you cross post from Twitter and get your post from Twitter and go into Scuttlebutt. So that was actually the app she developed, you know, while she was working as a developer at Zcash. So uh, at the moment, Planetary and Scuttlebutt, it's, you know, it's basically beta quality. Like, it's funky. There's rough edges. Uh, there's things that don't sync very well. You can move over, set up your thing called a room server, which is a shared identity server where you can find other people and group a community. Think of it a little bit like a, you know, like a Mastodon server. You set that up. You could use it. You could bring together a community. That all works. Um, but, uh, you know. And I think we're ready for early adopters. We're ready for explorers. Uh -huh. We're not ready uh -huh. for that mass market. Uh -huh. And that's my worry is that, you know, the app protocol isn't ready for it. There's a bunch of other interesting emerging protocols, Peta Panda, Noster. Um, one Farcaster just got funding from Anderson Horowitz. It's not a bad protocol. Um, it's more cryptocurrency focused, but like, and the thing is, we're all playing with the same Lego pieces, but the question is like, how do we make the Lego piece? Like, right. We don't have any kit. We don't have any design. Like there's nothing like I'm going to buy the thing that gives me the, you know, the house and the instructions on how to build it. We're still, we're still building all these cool Lego pieces and we need more apps like planetary where you don't, you don't have to understand how the keys work. You don't have to understand, you know, right. You just go to a web page and click a link and have it connect. And you don't have to understand how the underlying parts work. And to go from, you know, like I can set up my own Bitcoin wallet and run it, you know, on the command line to Coinbase is a lot of work. Are the right people, it sounds like you're in communication with Jay and company. Are the right people talking? So I think a lot of the right people are talking. We had the decentralized web conference uh, in August that was organized by the Internet Archive. Um, another group, uh, Unfinished Live, had a pretty decent conference in New York last month. Uh, they're not collaborating with everyone. Like, we still lack a bunch of collaboration, and we still need to learn from each other better. And it's not clear if one or any of these emerging protocols will actually succeed. But I'm, you know, I'm super excited because 
these protocols say that what we have is a digital public space. Yes. And that digital public space needs to be run as a commons and owned by various different participants and not run as a shopping mall. What we have now with Facebook and TikTok and and Twitter and Snapchat are shopping malls. It feels like a public space. It feels like your space, your, you know, your accounts, your followers. But the reality is that it's a, a commercially owned space with opaque rules, no ownership of your social connections or content or your name. And those rules change all the time. And the worst cases, people's accounts get deleted, but usually it's algorithmic manipulation or just not being able to, you know, say what you want. And, and that doesn't mean like hate speech, just like you should own the keys to your own house. You know, I wonder whether there's a, there, there's, there's a, there's a development here. Uh, you look at, let's say podcasts, right? There were pioneers yeah. like, like, like Leo there. And then companies come in and say, we're going to, you know, uh, Spotify says, we're going to take over this space. And we're going to love this space. And, and then, and then it gets kind of ruined New York times and blogs and so on and so on and so on and Twitter and Facebook and so on. But I think that then then it kind of cauterizes the wounds, and out of the out of that can grow new things that have learned the lessons. And and my view is it's a very long this this internet thing is a very long term build, and this mall phase, uh, yeah, went wrong, and people like me were wrong about about some of the companies here. But but out of that maybe comes a new devotion to saying we're going to make a commons and mean it. Well, we've learned lessons, right? Yeah, exactly. We had to try these yeah. things. And I think the yeah. lesson here, and we're in a way, I think what you're doing is starting over and saying, all right, I got yes. it. I get, I get the lessons we've learned. So if we were going to do this right, what are the fundamental uh, things we have to solve first and then build on that instead of just, you know, <laughs> it was it was a crazy time and, you know, just cobbling everything together on Ruby on Rails. And I, and, uh, I, I think the problem is right now what you're doing is infrastructure. And it's not obvious, even to me, and I think I'm a little sophisticated, how to use this and, and what it would mean to me and whether it could replace Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram or any of that stuff. Uh, and I have faith that it will and it can and it should. And I'm, that's more, even more important than anything else that needs to. It should. This is, the, this is the right way to go about doing this. Yes. And so is that, is that a fair characterization? You're building the infrastructure at this point. I mean, we've been building the infrastructure for a bunch of years. There's still more infrastructure to build, but we're, you know, if you don't build the infrastructure at the same time that you have people using it yes. and learn from people using it and yes. adapting from it, then you're building the wrong infrastructure. Right. You know, that's, that's the lesson of Google Plus. It's like they went and they spent all this time and all this money. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the users didn't use the app and the platform the way they wanted the users to use it. And they got in a giant fight with their users and everybody walked away. Right, um, and then it ain't a platform, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's one of the great lessons, as you said, from Twitter, is that Twitter was best when it <clears throat> let its users forge its direction. Absolutely. So we're we're building those pieces. We're part of a larger community that's building those pieces. We need users to be testing it out and playing with it and pushing it forward. We obviously need funding in the space. Um, and... But we also need developers, like people coming in and building stuff and saying, okay, this is what works. This doesn't, I'm going to build my own thing or I'm going to build on top of other stuff. We're about to release uh, what we call it Scuttle Go, 
which is a Go language SDK ah, for building huh. Scuttlebutt applications. Nice. Um, and uh, I this, like this. Is this all in Go? People who've heard of why Go? Is this all so, in Go? So Scuttlebutt is in a bunch of different languages. We have implementations in JavaScript, Go, Rust, Elixir, Java, Python, Kotlin. The stuff we use at Planetary is in Go. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get into an argument about programming languages and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> what we JavaScript works great in the browser. It doesn't work great, great as a, na- a native app. Yeah. And so... That's why we built it around this this open source library that we've released called ScuttleGo so that other people can build their own applications yeah. on top of it. Once you see how ScuttleGo works, if you want to write it in Lisp, you can. Exactly. Um, You're doing God's work, man. God's uh, work. I, I, absolutely. I really want to support you. Um, the problem is you download Planetary and it, it's not immediately obvious what's next. You know, like And, and I'm on Android. <laughs> well, I, I got Planetary yeah, so and I love it. It's a beautiful app, by the way. It's, it's incredibly well-crafted. I just don't know what to do with it. So the, the next thing we're launching are these things we call name room servers. So that that's what you need. You could like Discord. You can register exactly. So you could register leoleport.planetary.name or whatever domain name you wanted it to be. You can share that URL. People can see your content. There you go. What you choose to publish, some of your discussions, yeah. but also then there's a QR code and a link that will load you up and connect you in any of the Scuttlebutt apps. Perfect. So that they can can gauge, and so that's the thing we're we're launching next week. It, it's been a long road in the process oh, to exciting. to make that work. That's um, but I'm super excited about that because yeah. you know if I say you know oh find me on on Planetary and Scuttlebutt, my username is at o capital o four seven three. You know, and I go on for sixty five characters. No one will ever do it. Right. <laughs> QR code's a good idea, uh, and I yeah. so really. You know, we once we, we started this club, Club Twit, and we, uh, you know, kind of naively stumbled into Discord as the place where we get together. And it's turned out this is the social network I always wanted uh, in many respects, except that you don't control the server. You don't control your identity. All of these little things that you've been talking about. But the but the the idea of these rooms where you get together, all of this makes a lot of sense. It's actually a better space to me than Twitter or uh, or Facebook or anything else. I guess it's a little like Facebook groups. Um, uh, this makes a lot of... That I can understand. I get my head around. But I also really think it's super important that you own your identity, you control your identity, you can move around. I love the idea that there are a variety of clients so you can have it look like you want and behave like you want. I think you're really on to something here. And the only thing that was missing for me is that one last piece of the, the you know, the end user interface. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Now that I'm here, <laughs> and I think a room is a yeah. perfect solution. I like that idea. So I was, uh, my son is 15 and he's a big gamer. And I was talking to him about coming on this show this morning. And we had this debate about, okay, how is it streaming Twitch versus Discord? Cause he's a big Discord user as a gamer. And what, what we ended up coming up with is like Discord is in some ways like Facebook. You have to be two ways. You can't have a – there's no system by which you could have a follower relationship and a broadcast system. Right. And yeah. that that's what made Twitter scale, and that's what made blogs scale. Yep. And 
inside the, the scuttlebutt protocol and, and the app protocol that, that Blue Sky is working on. You need to be able to have both. These are the, the boundaries of the group. So the group has these set of rules. And also, I don't have to listen to you if you want to listen to me. I don't have to listen right. to you right. if you want to listen to me. That's that app yeah. reply problem right there. I like well, it's yes. also what Google Plus was going to do right. Yeah. Circles. Yeah. Uh, good. Hey, I want to just take a, can we take a little, how, what's your time frame, Rabble? Do you want to get out of here or are you done? No, nah, it's the middle of the day. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't want to keep you <laughs> from more go, but uh, just I'll take a short break, come back, because uh, I I think anybody listening now gets a better idea of what you're what this yeah, is all about, and it's really very exciting. Scuttlebutt.nz is where you can learn about the Scuttlebutt protocol. Scuttlebutt.nz, and there there is besides a you know a lot of information about it, there are also a link to getting started and a number of different clients, including Planetary, that you can use in a variety of ways. And I presume I could set I have a Planetary account. I'm Leo Laporte on Planetary. That I could. Can I participate in these other clients as Leo Laporte on yeah. Planetary? Okay. Yeah. So you're you're are like you're already talking to people using all these other clients. Oh. And just didn't know. So it. like oh. when you when you posted stuff, I saw people from half a dozen different clients reply to you. Oh, interesting. And so, but the the thing with the syncing, and this is this is part of what we're working on, is. Sometimes you have to open the app and give it a minute for it to sync. And we need to figure out how to explain to people that it needs some time to sync. It's not in the push. background. And, no, it's pull. Okay. Why pull, not push? Uh, That's an hour so conversation, it, I'm sure. <laughs> par- partially, we did pull, not push because it solves some of the, the spam problems. Uh, so if, you know, if you're at replying someone and bothering them a ton and you pull in, like then they can push to you, then they can start spamming you and you have to deal with that spam. But right. if you pull, so the way it works is you pull in the feeds of people you're following and then by default, one degree out further beyond that. So, I can see extended conversations of what's going on. And then if something is further out, I start pulling in the feeds off in that direction. So it's like a, I say it's like a, you know, if you're like in your big forest and you have a bright light, you only see the trees that are illuminated by the light at night. And you can get a brighter light and pull in a larger section ah. of the forest and see larger conversations. But if someone is having some, you know, terrible rager with music you hate on the other end of the forest, you don't hear it. How'd you know that's what I didn't want to hear? <laughs> you have a, Oh, that's right. You have a teenage son. <laughs> yes. The other thing that hits me here is that, hold, is that hold on. scale hold on. had to be important. Okay. I, I, I want to take a break. Yeah, I just have to take this take break. break. Take a break. Um, take a break. I also should point out that it looks like much like the barbarians at the gate, Elon has taken possession of Twitter. Uh, I and that seems to have happened before we thought. The deadline was Friday, so uh, we have a perfect panel to address 
uh, what is happening now at Twitter. Elon says meeting well, a lot of people. I think he cool visited. People. I don't think he owns it yet. Does well, he, he brought his own sink for reasons well, that nobody understands. Therefore, to flush it down the drain. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And a beautiful thing about Twitter is how it empowers citizen journalism. People are able to disseminate news without an establishment bias. Ugh. Okay, so anyway, uh, I, we could talk about that and a few other things. Uh, I am thrilled to have Rabble here, who yes. has deep roots in all of this and is doing something about it, which is not not something you could say about everybody. I'm really thrilled to have you here. And, of course, uh, Jeff Jarvis. Just a quick break. We'll come back with more. Uh, this Week in Google brought to you today by Melissa. Melissa is a leading provider of global data quality and address management solutions. Now, if you're a business, you have an address list, a client list, a customer list. You send your bills. You send brochures. You send catalogs. You have suppliers you work with. All of that is your data. But if that data quality goes downhill, it can cost you a lot of money. On average, $15 million a year in wasted ad spend, in wasted billing, losing track of customers costs you money. Don't waste your marketing dollars. Be sure to manage your budgets effectively and smart. Because, by the way, I got to tell you, the longer poor quality data stays in your system, the losses continue to accumulate exponentially. Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. To ensure your business is successful, your customer information, these, these address lists need to be accurate. High quality data doesn't cost you money. It saves you money. By the way, there's another side to this customer service. If you've got a customer service line, somebody calls up, they says, I didn't get my package. And you say, you live in Miami, right? And they say, no, I live in Portobello. You're going to say, whoops. And they're going to say, I'm so angry. This is awkward. Melissa recently partnered with ID Pal. They've got something new they call Melissa ID. Seem This is also something you got to do accurately for a variety of reasons seamless contact verification in real time at melissa id there's a unique fully customizable out-of-the-box SaaS solution using a multi-layered approach biometrics facial matching liveness testing address verification document checks for automated identity verification there are a lot of reasons you might have to do this for compliance any money laundering politically exposed persons the bank secrecy act uh it, this is a huge part of business these days, right? Melissa has been doing this for 37 plus years. Address standardization, correction, verification. Their new app offers coverage of over 6,000 identification documents across 200 countries and jurisdictions. It's great for any business charged with reducing costs associated with customer acquisition, operations, fulfillment. It's huge for fraud, right? And you may even need to do it for compliance. So you're reducing risk, you're ensuring compliance, you're keeping customers happy, and you're saving money. Why wouldn't you want to do this? Protect your data from decay with 2.1 billion clean, validated records. You could score and target customers with detailed demographic and firmographic data appends. You can complete customer records, add, adding missing names or addresses, phone numbers, email addresses. And by the way, your data is always secure with Melissa. They under, undergo independent security audits on a regular basis. SOC 2, HIPAA, GDPR compliant. They can do so much. They can dedupe, by the way. For instance, duplicate information on your bottom line is the worst, right? I used to get five catalogs from Restoration Hardware. All beautiful, thick, full-color catalogs, the same name and address. <laughs> they needed a little dedupe, a little deduplication. 
Melissa's data quality suite will eliminate clutter and duplicates, increasing the accuracy of your database, reducing your postage and mailing costs. So you can do batch address cleaning. You can do identity verification. They've got geocoding enrichments uh, that will convert addresses into Latin long. They've got email verification. You can remove 95% of bad email addresses from your databases. So know at thankyou.com. You can just get rid of that. Lookups, <laughs> the Lookups app is available on iOS and Android to search addresses, verify social security numbers, access detailed property data, and more. And that's all at your fingertips. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Try Melissa's APIs in the developer portal. Easy to log on, sign up, play in that API sandbox 24-7. And when you get started with Melissa right now, you're going to get 1,000 records cleaned for free. This is a good way to see what Melissa can do for you. Get your worst, oldest, cruddiest database and send it over. They even have a secure FTP so you can upload it and get it downloaded, cleaned. 1,000 records cleaned for free. Melissa.com slash twit. Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot com slash twit. Thank you, Melissa, for supporting this week in Google. There's one thing I'm a little mad about. Elon is calling himself the chief twit now, which is not true. Not true. <laughs> there is only one. There can be but one. Twit. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, I so I, I get, so um. You know, we already been through this with Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing that's kind of irksome. I'm sure somebody. Somebody with any me- memory of history or something is going to come down the hall and says, um, Elon, Lisa suggested he take the W out. That's fine with me. Or, you know, there's <laughs> lots of ways you could fix it. Change the I to an A. But you can't be Chief Twit, Elon. We've already been over this. Can I? Let me just say it that way. We've already been over this, Elon. <laughs> Unless you'd like to buy. You could buy us. And then you own the name. I own the trademark. You want the name, you can have it. Uh, I don't know. Can you trademark a handle? <laughs> I'm sure he's already got the know. business cards printed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what do you think of Elon uh, owning uh, a Twitter rabble? Is this, uh, you must still have friends who work there, right? Sure. Of course I have friends that work there and I use Twitter all the time and I care about it a lot. <sighs> <laughs> what do I think about it? You have the Bye. same reaction we all do. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, have, I have mixed feelings. So one, I think he has lots of terrible ideas. And I think he, having worked with people who worked directly with him, is can be quite toxic and difficult. And that sucks. Um there, on the other hand, the past companies that he's bought, like Tesla and SpaceX and Solar City, and really PayPal too, because he was just the money guy for PayPal, <clears throat> have become successful companies, like, and have done lots of good in the world. Like, we have a Starlink internet connection at my cabin in California, and it's amazing. Like, and so before Elon bought Twitter, which now seems like it's a thing, Twitter was dependent on the market and was always at risk of the management team being removed if the, they didn't do what a set of investors said. You know, Jack said this in some of the 
text messages he had to Elon. He, he only had a few percentage of the percentage of the company. There's no super voting shares in Twitter. And so Twitter was restricted. This was, you know, I had a conversation with Jack right after Trump got elected and he said, what should I do about Trump's account? And these other alt-right folks like Richard Spencer, should I delete the accounts? And he had lots of conversations with people about this. And my answer was, if Jack as CEO with almost no shares in the company goes and deletes Trump's account, then he's going to get removed as CEO. And so we all said, well, Jack, why the hell don't you just do this thing? He's clearly violating the rules. But the market held sway over it. And Elon buying Twitter means that Twitter is no longer dependent on the whims of of the market and groups like Silver Lake who are going to come in and do much worse. Uh, his ideas about how moderation should happen are crazy. Uh, we have no idea if they'll implement his ideas. His ideas about some of the open network stuff are good and interesting. You know, ironically enough for something like the Blue Sky Project, um, he, in theory, I don't know if he's even fully aware of it, should be a big advocate for it. And so um, I think that ideologically a lot of Twitter employees aren't going to like working for him. They aren't going to like the the political decisions that he's going to make. Twitter employees believe deeply in Jack and where he was coming from and were very loyal to it, him. So there's not going to be that loyalty. So Twitter's going to lose a lot of employees. And uh, we'll see. Like, I don't know that it is necessarily the worst thing that could happen. I think Silver Lake coming in and sort of splitting it up and uh, selling off the parts or, you know, gutting the management team would have been worse. Yeah. So I don't... I, I don't like his investors. The most optimistic I don't like the way take he does business, I've heard. But, he, <laughs> but the other options were rough. Yeah. And you think one of them was inevitable just because of uh, Twitter's faltering uh, financials? Fortunes. Fortunes. That's a good way to put Twitter's it. Twitter's never been a good business. Yeah. 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 Twitter's always been much more important to its users and to society and the news and culture than it has been in terms of making money. And, you know, I'm a technologist, so I don't know exactly why, but, you know, Instagram makes tons of money because the ads don't need to be witty tweets. Like uh, Twitter yeah, yeah. makes you like, you have to be good at Twitter to run ads. And if yeah. you're good at Twitter, yeah. why are you running an ad? Um, right, right. You don't, you don't have to be good at yeah. Instagram to run a good ad. Well, that's a really good point. I that's never really thought point. of that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this all underscores the fact that Twitter should really be a public institution, not a not a private business. It's not a good business, but it's a it's a great town square. And maybe the and obviously you know no one person should own the town square, even Elon. Um, so maybe this solution is really something like scuttlebutt and planetary and something decentralized, uh, something no one owns. Uh, something was uh, that a discussion way back then? Was it was 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 enough known in our innocent early days to say uh, maybe there shouldn't be a company, maybe there should be something else, or maybe. Um, 
uh, the API as a, as a moral choice? Is there, or was it just too early and too naive and too innocent back then? No, I... There was a debate back then because I remember Jack saying that Twitter should be a public utility. Yeah. Like in the early days of Twitter, he went around and told anyone who would ask Twitter should be a public utility. And other people are like, Jack, stop saying that. We won't get investments. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the rumors are that like, because Twitter had acquisition talks with Facebook and Yahoo and Google and, and Microsoft, everyone. The rumors are like that Jack's enthusiasm for Twitter as a public utility scared away all these people who are acquiring it. Now, Ev says he wasn't going to ever sell Twitter anyway, but um, like, you know, Jack always thought it was a public utility and wow. always kind of treated it that way. But we had no model for funding it that way. And, you know, there's been a there's a, a Twitter account called, you know, at buy Twitter, which is a, a collection of people who are trying to make users collect the money to buy Twitter. And, you know, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> got promises of a few million dollars, it, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. not not close to it. And try to but collect. There's a there's a whole concept called platform co-ops, which is says that, you know, these giant platform businesses, whether or not it's Airbnb or Twitter should be owned in part by the participants of it. And so, you know, the the buy Twitter project is cool. It's not, you know, they never worked, but it's a, it's a neat idea. And the platform co-ops are a neat idea. The problem is like, where do you get the capital to build these things? And where do you get the capital to take the risks? You know, we talked about Jaiku and Pounce and Gowalla and all, all these, all these other you know, Technorati, all these other companies that had just as much promise as Odeo and Twitter in the early yep. days, and they're all gone. Yep. So, right. uh, you know, venture capital is set up to take that risk. And you take the venture, you know, but that's, you know, the plus and minus of it. The, the real tragedy is that we didn't know about the super voting shares that, you know, uh, got set up with Facebook. Right. If Evan, if Evan known about the super voting shares and realized how important it was and been able to raise money that way and demand it and be able to get through, then, then this whole conversation would be different. Interesting. So but, that's what Zuck did. And that's how he's kept control of Facebook. You think Ev Williams would have been the right guy to keep control of uh, Twitter, that he would have done a good job had he been able to ignore market forces and have those super voting shares? I don't know. Ev's really hard to work for. <laughs> <laughs> the board uh, at Twitter is notoriously awful, right? I mean, that's what everybody yeah. says. <laughs> well, and there's, the board has got all these people who don't They don't use even use Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Right, right. Or not publicly. Maybe they use Twitter in secret accounts. Like I have half a dozen Twitter accounts that I use for different purposes. But like the board should be people, you know. Yes. Nor they do they have much Twitter stock. They don't have much. They don't have much yeah. of a dog in the hunt. I think Jack has the largest had the largest share of Twitter stock, and it was only like two percent. Yeah, but there was a time when the board was better. Like Fred Wilson was a fantastic right. board member. Yeah. Yes. And yes. really got it. Um. And I, you know, I, I don't know the inside baseball of, of when he chose to walk away, but you know, Fred 
signed off on Twitter being federated. He said, make that experiment. See what happens. Um, That's very fresh. And, yep. Yep. Well, we'll find out. I don't, uh, the fact that Elon's wandering around Twitter un, uh, untethered indicates not that he's succeeded in closing the deal, but that they're very close. He has till Friday uh, before the Chancery Court in Delaware picks up the trial once again. That's the deadline. So I suspect maybe this time uh, he will own it, which is a, a may, may you live in interesting times. We definitely, <laughs> we, we, yes, we definitely do. Uh, and I'm uh, always impressed. You know, we talk all the time with Kevin Marks and about the open web and indie web and uh, and Corey Doctorow, who, you know, years ago told me the solution to all this is for the geeks to stand up, write their own stuff, do their own thing. We know how it should be. Don't let these big money guys run everything. And uh, you haven't taken any investment uh, in Planetary? So I've taken a bit of investment. I got a... I did, you know, did a $1.4 million pre-seed round led by Bloomberg Beta, who are, as a VC, very supportive of, you know, open source projects. Uh, They've been fantastic. And um, also gotten support from a number of other sort of very early stage VCs. I don't know if they're investing because they think that Planetary will be successful and make money or they just want to throw rocks at, at Facebook's <laughs> class house or... <laughs> they're playing 3D chess with you. I'm yeah, surprised that you're taking but, money. I guess you have to. Uh, but don't you worry about the same thing happening to you that happened to Twitter? Sure, except I have super voting shares. Oh! Ah. Lesson learned. I get it. <laughs> but uh, a bunch of time has passed. Now super voting shares among founders for these type of companies is yeah. is commonplace, yeah. and they understand why it's important. Right. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear so that. Dave Weiner just tweeted six minutes ago, Dear Elon Musk, Twitter should support outbound and inbound RSS. No need to wait for an open protocol. It's already there. God bless him. Uh, is RSS enough? Is that a, enough of an API? It, God knows we've kept podcasting alive on RSS uh, for some time. Uh, is it's not enough, but it's good. It's a start. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's a start. Yeah. Uh, even with podcasting, RSS is under assault by Spotify and and Amazon uh, and uh, I, I guess uh, iHeart. A lot of companies just would prefer you to use their app. And not use an RSS reader to get your podcasts, and we're dead set against that because what that does is it gives them all this information about you. I can't collect information about you if you listen on an RSS feeder, uh, which most podcast apps are. Dave's great line to you know, me. What, I, I saw him. Yeah. Go ahead, Rambo. Well, I was just going to say I was having a conversation with Chris Messina, who did Love the hashtag Chris. and yep. was around all these things, and we were talking about what what went wrong with web 2.0 and we realized that podcasting is the one major part of the web 2.0 movement or world or innovation that didn't get enclosed into a centralized platform and partially it was the benign neglect of apple basically right. they built just enough to lock everyone else out and then ignored it right that let yeah. this ecosystem thrive yes 
When uh, Apple announced podcasting, and I didn't realize it was going to kill audio, but when they announced they were going to do podcasting, I said it's simultaneously the best thing that could happen to podcasting and the worst thing. The worst thing. Yep. Uh, the good news is you're right. They were they had other fish to fry. They didn't just need to take it over. Thank God. Um, but that's why it's so interesting because RSS is so simple. But just a simple thing like that can keep something going uh, without uh, being beholden to the behemoths. And uh, it's great. Thank you, Apple, for neglecting us. <laughs> we well, in, in a sense, the same thing happened with blogs. I, I would say is that is that is that we, as we discussed earlier, Google buying Blogger and then speak of benign neglect, it just sits there with cobwebs. And you know, blogs kept RSS and blogs stayed independent. And WordPress came in, I think, as a as a as a positive influence uh, in the field and showed what could happen. We and had Matt Mullenweg on a few around. weeks ago, and of course, he bought. Uh, Tumblr, I'm, uh, you know, after all the blows Tumblr has taken to the head, I hope that he can resurrect it. Um, you know, I'm thrilled to see that he's made Pocket Casts open source. Uh, yep. He's definitely dedicated to open source. So, um, no, yeah. he's been a tremendous force for good. Yeah. in this whole thing, where yes. he managed to build up a large company that has a substantial force in the internet today, and not have it be closed and locked down. Uh, we don't. We don't express enough thanks for what Mullenweg has done and Great. automatic. I thanked Great. him, but uh, <laughs> you're right. We, yes, we did. We were. We were. Oh, uh, I, I, I think the world of Matt. There, there are, you know, it's a lot of them are old timers, people who have really made a huge difference. Dave Weiner is a great example. Have really made a huge yep. difference. Yep. In the space, and now I'm pleased to meet you, Rabble, because uh, I, I think you're one of yeah. those uh, guys who is still working. Uh, on the, on on making the internet work for humans, um, and we need to make I'm that so, fight because it is such a powerful yeah. tool. It is so good. It is so much you can do with it. We just need to fight for it. We can't let them just uh, co-opt it all. I'm so grateful for the work you do and for coming in and sharing it with us. It's just been a delightful yeah. conversation. Uh, so much. Oh, this is tons of fun. Great to have you. Good luck with your teenager. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we do stream, by the way. You can tell him on Twitch. And YouTube. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, he 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 texted me asking for the asking for the URL live stream, and I'm like, "Aren't you supposed to be in class right now?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." I think you should get a pass if your dad's on the on the Twitch. You should get a pass. You Is he a developer to... too? Yeah, he's learning C sharp right now to do nice. Unity. So because he's into doing video games and stuff, but yeah. Very cool. I, I offered. I'm not a C sharp developer, but I offered to pair program with him, uh, so we build a game together. Yeah. Fun. Are you going to do that? Are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, we're doing that in CS and VS Code, or what are you? What are you using? Yeah, we use VS Code. How fun! That's throwing the ball around the backyard. In that's the modern. Games. That's a 21st century version <laughs> yeah. of playing catch. <laughs> yeah. So how does it work? You'll 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 write some code, and then he'll write some code, or. I mean, we do this, like, I do pair programming all the time. Like, oh, you know, interesting. That's, and where you, you get a single keyboard, single monitor, um, both people sitting there, one person, you know, you can either have two keyboards or one, but uh, with the one is just one person is driving and the other oh, okay. is kind of doing yeah. commentary, navigating of, you know, doing stuff. Sometimes they have a laptop on the side so they can look stuff up. Uh, that's it's fun. It's it's great for debugging and figuring out new stuff, sort of the mid-level of, like, Typing. I know what I'm doing, yeah, yeah, and I just need to implement it. 
one-on-one, you know, single programming is better. But if it's like, oh, I have no idea how this works or I have no idea what it should do, that's when I really enjoy pair programming. How fun. Um, I think we can wrap it up with Rabble. I don't want to keep you too long. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for doing what you're doing. What is your recommendation for people who've listened and and get it and say, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not going to leave Twitter. I'm not going to leave Facebook, but I want to support the idea of having something that's more more personally uh, controlled. Should they just download Planetary and, and play with it, or where would you start? Yeah, so, so they can download Planetary or one of the other Scuttlebutt apps. Uh, Miniverse works on Android. There's desktop apps. Um, they're all... They're all linked to from our from our site. So if, if uh, Jeff goes have, on Manyverse because he's using Android, he won't be a second class citizen on Planetary. No, no, because you you have no idea which apps people are using. Oh. Uh, I, I can tell because they you know the like buttons are the the likes are slightly different, yeah. and you know there's some subtle differences. But you won't be able to sell like tell, and he can. Uh, you guys could either join a room or set up a room. You could share your, you know, room account if he owns it into on a on a device that has Miniverse. It'll connect directly to you. We have tons of different apps. Um, some look and, a little more like chat. Some look a little more like Instagram. So you can pick one exactly. that kind of fits your, you know, ethos. But it's the same content all across the board. Yep. Nice. Well, there's. there's there's the ability to run on subnet. So we have this uh, app called Aho, A-H-A-U.io. And it's only for Maori. So it's here in New Zealand. Wow. And they run on a separate network. Wow. And it's an autonomous. And the yeah. social circles in Aho work differently because they use Maori uh, family village tribe structures and so you wow. you get these concentric circles of encrypted <sighs> communities and then the servers that do the relaying that like do store and forward we call them pubs uh exist in each maori marae so there's 770 of them across new zealand and as your phone or laptop goes into the marae these community centers it syncs directly between everyone else and so um, oh my goodness. it's, it's really super amazing. And, you know, we, you know, mix who's there in that photo is one of the developers and Sharice. So they do development on Aho here in New Zealand. And I also, they also work on planetary and it's just, a, you know, it's a social network and an identity system that is based on their own traditional ways of doing things and their next step is actually to use their maori ways of creating identity so you verify who you know and who your family member is and the maori owned banks and credit unions will use that as your identity verification to open accounts instead of the new zealand government I am getting chills. So this is yeah. a, this Community is a, this is what should be happening. This is a perfect proof of concept. If a community with its own unique ways can have its sovereignty and and still work and inter- and it's and still interoperate, then you've solved something. You've really made something that people can use. Unbelievable! That's fantastic, and the banks are using it. 
I love yep. that. Because because there are Maori, Iwi, Iwi is the, the tribal structure, because there are Maori-owned banks, all they have to do to f- comply with the banking regulation is, is have a verifiable system of verifying identity. And they go to the New Zealand government and say, look, you know, we have sovereignty over this community. We have sovereignty over this space. This is the way we're verifying who's who. And we're going to open bank accounts and get the unbanked banked, but not because of some, you know, post-colonial government, but because of the way that the Maori have been doing identity for 800 years. And like next week, I'm going to have a call with uh, Mapuche in southern Argentina and Chile about them wanting to use this same system (laughs) so that they can have an offline first way of doing social but it's closed social it's it's based on their own traditional ways of who do you identify and how do you connect and what you want to do and so um and the you know the maori in new zealand they're very well connected new zealand has a you know good internet connection and everything else but in in chile and argentina especially southern chile where the mapuche are their internet connections are terrible so that offlineness works and and right we also have a deployment among Brazilians in the Amazon with all these villagers and and stuff where, again, mostly offline communities who needed their own separate network that worked differently. Um, And that runs on the same protocol that Planetary uses, but Planetary uses it in a much more open Twitter, Tumblr-like way. I'm just blown away. Uh, This is uh, really heartening. This is using technology for people, and it's just fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, somebody in the chat room said, you buried the lead. <laughs> but but we, we had to go through all that to get here. And I think that's really, in a way, the whole story is we had to go through all of this to get to this point. And it's just very, very exciting um, the way that this can be used. In a way, this solves the decentralized problem without – it's not blockchain. It's not crypto. It's um, But it's similar in that sense that you have keys – you have privacy, and it's de- it is decentralized, right? There's no central store of information. No, there's no central store or registry or or things like that. You can you can either directly peer things; it's local first. You can run these these room servers and pub servers like the like Ahu runs in their the e, the Maori Marais that store and forward messages, but they're not necessary for the network. And so it's kind of like Usenet. Kind of, kind of like that, except you don't, you don't have it all flat. You know, right? You know, Apple requires us for App Store rules to be able to to block and ban content, and so our app comes back like the only centralized thing we have is Apple and their App Store rules say that users can report content and we can ban it, and we've banned content. Uh, there was a bunch of pro ISIS content Eesh. that we banned. Uh, there was a user who came on and started forcing. Uh, gay furry porn replies to everyone, and like we banned that. And there, there were Norwegian neo Nazis who, like, wanted to make you know they wanted to use it, and they they wanted you know only Scandinavian languages were the only true like oh dear like Aryan. master you know oh my god so, there, so we yeah. we banned that from the the planetary relay servers and the planetary app. But if someone, you know, and I never see it like, you know, but 
if someone wanted to set up their own nodes and their own part of the network, you know, that's far off on the other end of the forest, we don't know it's there. And it's kind of like you can, you know, put whatever you want on your own domain name. Right. But you, we don't have to link to each other. Yeah, Mas- and, Mastodon kind of does that too. I don't have to federate with Gab. Um, and I don't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But Gab can and, exist. And things yeah. can be removed from the Google search engine too. Right, like you can right. make it so it's oh, interesting. reprehensible behavior doesn't need to be easily discovered. Interesting. But because there's no, there's not even a centralized DHT, like there's no distributed hash table. Like there's no, there's no unifying element to this at all. Interesting. And so we don't know how many people are using the network. Wow. We have guesses. Not to turn you into customer service, but I, I now have Miniverse uh, installed. <laughs> I put a post yes. up. How do I connect with Leo? I need to get an invitation from somewhere, right? So, yeah. So what, what Leo needs to do is go into his settings. Okay. And he can either get his name or register with the room server so he can register Leo or Leo Laporte. Can I show him a QR then, code? Is there a, in the planetary app? Is there a way? Because no. my name is well, not here. No, capital Z plus plus zero TL, which is, you know, obviously no. it's a. This, it's re- a this hash. reminds me of my days on CompuServe one one seven three four one one three four. Well, but, but the whole point is we don't have to know that, right? That's, right, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. So what what you need to do, Leo, is you go into your settings, which is on the sidebar. Yep. And it says, um, like, connect to a room. There'll okay. be a list that says rooms. Yeah, yeah. And in there, it'll say register an alias. And if you put your name in there. Okay. Then anyone, and what, you know, if you put Leo Laporte, then anyone could go to leolaporte.planetary.name, for example. Oh, so it does give um, me a uh, Jeff. a canonical uh, name on the planetary server. All right, so let me. Yeah, but you could, you could, like, there could be many of those servers. So, so I could have many names. You know, planet- which is beautiful. Yeah, you can have many names. Yeah. Yeah. This is fantastic. All right, I'll I'll get the I'll get the remedial from Leo later. <laughs> well, yeah, and then and then once that's registered, Jeff, you just go to in your browser, you know, right. Leolaport.planetary.name and it'll say, Oh, you have Miniverse installed. Do you want to open up Leo's profile in Miniverse, Brilliant. and it'll open it up, and you start following him, Brilliant. and they'll they'll wow. directly connect to each other. So I'm looking wow. under settings at web services aliases beta. Is that where I should go? I, or yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely beta. Like yeah, register new alias. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, because I can't. I yeah. don't know if that's my phone or you, but I can't type into that uh, field. So I'll uh, I'll oh I'll get back to you. <laughs> we will figure it out. <laughs> My next show will be will be connected, but uh, yeah. So, yeah. but that's a perfect example. And uh, but the beauty of that is you can have as many names as you want, uh, and, and exactly and different personas in different rooms. You you can be whoever you want in every room. I love this. I love this. And the 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 rooms act as like their persona, but they also act as a way of grouping people together, so that you can see you know. If a room is all of a particular thing, so like we have one in beta called queer.family, and it's all people who are LGBTQ. And so if you want to join that community, you join that community, you register a name that's there, and then you can see the posts within that community and discover people that way. 
and, and anyone can set up their own in. room servers. So, so, so if a bad so, person comes in, who who has the right to you be can, able to kick them out? The at the moment, the, the person room? who set up the room has the, the creator the room. of the room. Okay. Yeah, but we're working with the MetaGov project so that the room can set rules for who are the admins and what are the decisions. So everybody who's a member of the room gets a vote on kicking someone out or a vote on who the moderators are for this month. And I think that, the I don't know if you're familiar with the Medigov project out of Harvard's Berkman Center, but they're doing lots of interesting work in saying we need to move beyond a feudal model of governing online communities and look at all these ways and say, okay, this is this group. They're running a room. People in the room shouldn't just be able to say whoever created the room is the admin of the room, but you should be able to, you know, either put forward a vote and have everyone in the room vote or decide who the moderators are at the moment or, you know, be able to recall a moderator who is behaving poorly. And so that's super interesting to me of saying, okay, what, how do we, instead of saying this is one model for governance, how do we open up the space to say there are many models for governance? And I'm, I'm super excited about the MetaGov project and, and what they're doing with that. Um, I highly recommend folks check it out. So excited. God bless you. Yep. Yeah, isn't it great? It's great. It's, it's great. just very this, this encouraging. Because a lot of times this show we get very depressed because we're just swamped. <laughs> By uh, all of this, uh, you know, big tech being misused to and uh, so forth. And Jeff, to your credit, always says, no, no, but this is, you know, the Internet is early days. Has, uh, yeah, it's early days. The Internet has huge potential. Look at all the things. And, you know, a lot of it, by the way, Rabble, is around social organizing. I'm thinking your handle, Rabble, has a little yeah. bit to do with being a Rabble rouser. And, oh, uh, I am definitely. Yeah, I hope you keep doing. <laughs> hope keep you keep doing that. Keep too. rousing, man. Because I've always thought uh, it's good to be a subversive in sheep's clothing, and that's what I am. So, uh, <laughs> bravo, well done, Rabble. A real pleasure uh, to meet you. Everybody should. Uh, I think start at uh, uh, either at the planetary uh, site, which is planetary uh, dot social, or uh, if you're interested in scuttlebutt, uh, knowing about about the scuttlebutt, you can go to scuttlebutt nz. Both roads lead to the same. Uh, endpoint, which is getting on the network, the Scuttlebutt network, uh, so we could talk. And at some point, I think we'll uh, set up a, a twit room uh, as uh-huh. an experiment. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe actually yep. a twig room just for twig, and maybe every show should have its uh, own room. How about <laughs> yeah. that? Why not? Then we could connect. You can have as many rooms as you want, right? Yep. Rabble, thank that you so exciting. much. That sounds exciting. I'd love to work with thank you guys you. to set that oh, up. Oh, good. And by yep. the way, yep. I now know because I'm following Rabble uh, on Planetary. That you went out and you got a fancy Sony camera, you got a bookshelf, you did a whole bunch of stuff for the show. (laughs) Thank you. I saw you guys. I saw you guys talk about Planetary a couple weeks ago, and I was blown away at the like the stage and the screens and everything else. And I'm like, I want that. And so I went and started ordering the things, and then, then. Then we started talking, and you're like, "Well, maybe you should come on the show." So um, I, I'm impressed with the, all the production quality of of Twit and this week in Google, and you know, tried to upgrade my my environment to to match. Well, you get Thank two you. thumbs up. You did a great job. You look good. The depth of feel is excellent. That's a good. You got a good camera. You got the Sony vlogging camera and, and, is, and Skype room. Yeah. Skype, uh, uh, my Skype room. Uh, uh, ten out of five 10. out of ten out of ten, or they go to ten, 10 or five. 10. ten out of ten. ten. Okay. Ten out. Of 10. We give you ten out of ten on my room raider. <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Rabble. Really a pleasure meeting thank you. you. Thank you yeah. for joining us.
Uh, Jeff, we have a few other stories we can go through if you we, want. We, we, we could well. You know, I, 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 thank you for doing that, Leo. I, 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 spent, oh, I, 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 I am the chat so and inspired. Said wow about 50 times. I am inspired the show. by I this. That Maori example uh, it oh. just blows me oh. away. Just blows me away. Lessons um, from other communities and other cultures. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's hope. There's possibility. And, and, and the solution isn't the technology. The solution is people doing good things. Well, okay, but you got to have people, technologists like Rabble. Oh, really, who know how to do it. Really accomplished. Yes. I mean, this guy is extremely good. Oh, he, God, knows yeah. what he, he's, knows what he's doing. He's solved problems you and I hadn't thought about. Because um, he's lived them. Because he's lived them. Having that history, yeah. that background, and the skills yeah. to implement uh, is fantastic. You have to make mistakes. You have to go down wrong, wrong rat holes to learn where Absolutely. the rat holes are. Yeah, and, and, and that's important to remember that these mistakes uh, are just part of the growing process. Uh, Speaking of rat holes, we got news today, too. Yeah. Well, I'll go through it quickly. Um, so Elon decided to call himself Chief Twit. <laughs> uh, I'm very gratified by the other many people on Twitter who have responded saying, "I, uh, dude, <laughs> yeah, there, there is one Chief Twit. Uh, um, so we'll figure that out. I bet he's getting the business cards printed right now. We don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, you know, all we know is what we see on the Twitter. Um, but it does seem as if he is fairly confident that that deal is going to close. He still has to get regulatory approval, doesn't he? I don't know there's any regulatory approval in this case. It's not a merger. It's not it's a, a merger. Purchase. He's just buying it. Uh, well, I guess it is officially a merger with X Corp or whatever, but it's not really a merger. Yeah. Um, and I saw one story. I don't know if we talked about this last week. I don't think I don't think we did. That the banks are going to, rather than selling the debt, which they would normally do, uh, the debt's so useless and so valueless, they're going to hold it on their books. But They'd have to do trick. junk bonds. It's so bad. They're going to hold it on their books at a $44 billion valuation. Wow. Uh, which means they could lose as much as half a billion dollars. Uh, Morgan Stanley, the, the lead on that. Um, we'll see. I mean, is Elon, you know, how, what kind of welcome is he get? Does he get walking into Twitter after having announced, I'm going to fire 75%. I know evidently some executives said you should go up and say hello to Elon. And you know, somebody else said, what, am I one of the 75%? Yeah. I don't want to say hello to Elon. Thank you very much. Actually, a number of people who worked at Twitter or work at Twitter have said, you know what? I got to tell you, there's a lot of dead wood. It's not as, it's not, it's maybe something that needs to happen. Well, no, I mean like. A lot. The engineering teams are massively bloated. A lot of people do absolutely nothing. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, There's also a lot of good people there. I mean, that's, 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 that's oh, the thing of about course. all these tech companies people can't stand. I know brilliant people at Facebook and at Google and at Twitter. And um, uh, Everywhere. the question is, should yeah. they be companies or not? Should yeah. they be working in different ways? Yeah. All right, well, we'll uh, watch with interest. Maybe uh, we'll yeah. know more uh, by the end of the week. Uh, an interesting, speaking of Elon Musk and Starlink, an interesting use for Starlink. It, without Elon Musk's help, uh, some researchers at UT Austin have figured out a way to use it as a GPS system. Uh, you know, there are a lot of satellites up there, and it turns out that in order oh. to do it at Internet access, they have to send a lot of positioning information, time information, a lot of metadata that turns out to be useful, not as good as GPS. You, you know, you're only going to be able to use it to do a location within 30 meters. Um, but, you know, that's that's not bad. And it doesn't require any help from Elon. <laughs> Just in the normal operation of the uh, satellites. 
Well, uh, I think there were reports weren't there some time ago, Leo, that like Russia was going to screw with GPS and you wouldn't know where you are and all yeah. kinds of stuff. It's good so to have a backup. Independent GPS, yeah. Good to have a backup. Spotify, uh, as you probably know, is trying to get into audiobooks. One more, one more area they can own. But you know who really owns audiobooks? Uh, Amazon with Audible, which is about 90% of the market. The other rest, uh, 10% is Apple. Apple and Google have audiobook stores. Apple actually yep. sells Audible books. And uh, Spotify is getting a little head up. This is uh, Nick Zickerman, Zisherman, or Near Zisherman, who is the, uh, came to uh, Spotify from Anchor.fm and has been leading the audiobook push. He says that Apple initially approved the new Spotify app with audiobooks. But then when they pushed an update some months later, Apple knocked it off. And it's been three times now that app, because what Apple doesn't want is Spotify to say, and if you want to buy a book, go go here. <laughs> Apple wants that 30%. Yep. And uh, they're going to yep. do everything they can uh, to I mean, hold it's, on it's to it. It's two companies I don't like at war with each other, which is a little schadenfreude game. Yeah, in a way, I don't... <laughs> I don't completely mind. Spotify's tried to ruin podcasts. Apple's uh, Apple's putting ads up now. What, what, what's what happens now with that? The, 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 <sighs> their their virtue about data is going to go away fast. Yep. Uh, yeah. Let me look at some of your uh, stories. Shutterstock. We talked about how Getty does not want to sell AI generated images. Well, Shutterstock, another stock photo company, says, "Yeah, we're going to do uh, we're going to do AI generated stock imagery, and we're going to do it through uh, Dolly uh, too." With help from OpenAI. And fascinating, they say that they're going to reimburse the creators whose work is used to train the algorithm. They're creating a contributor's fund. How the hell that fund. works, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is a good question because that's kind of a judgment call. I guess you can look at the prompt and see if it. If you mention Rutkowski, then I guess you have to send money to Rutkowski in the prompt. He's the one who really is complaining about this. Uh, good news. Playing games actually is good for kids. Yeah, see? Yeah. Playing lots of video games may benefit kids' brains. A study of more than 2,000 children aged 9 and 10 conducted by the University of Vermont's Department of Psychiatry. They tested children who game at least 21 hours a week. That's a lot. <laughs> Can't you go outside? That's three hours a day every day of yeah. the week. yeah. Yeah, that's are, okay. That's so that's I would say hardcore gaming, right? Yes, yes. And against kids who don't play at all, the gamers did better than non-gamers in tests where they had to control impulse behavior. Impulse control? Do you learn that in gaming? I guess you do. I guess you want to win and you hold yourself back. I guess hold I back. Know. Sniping. If you like to snipe, you got to wait. Uh, and better at memorizing information. During the test, researchers observed the gamers' brains, I guess they did functional MRIs while they're playing, showed more activity in regions associated with attention and memory. See, this technology is not so bad. I mean, you know, these studies, they come out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American Academy of Pediatrics recommends kids play no more than an hour or two of games a day. (laughs) When I was a kid, we didn't have video games, but my parents would only let me watch half an hour of TV a day, and it killed me. I was so pissed off. You so I was talking to my, my new editor at another publishing company. I'll talk about that next week. But but uh, she is, was very much into Neopets. Oh, yeah. So was my daughter. And, and, yeah. And she, so she talks about it as kind of a um, uh, uh, idealistic world 
and all the skills she learned, and she's elegiac about it. It was really interesting to, to listen to it. I told her that I'm I'm not a gamer and don't know, uh, but um, it's it's. Did you ever read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? Yeah, What'd I think. think? I think okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think uh, there's a whole generation of web designers who learned how to design for the web on Neopets and uh, uh, and MySpace because both of them let you use HTML right. to design right. your page. And my daughter's 30 now, so uh, so 30 year olds grew up playing Neopets and doing MySpace. And was Neopets uh, girls or girls and boys? Most, it was mostly girls, I think. Mostly girls. Yeah. I was really worried about Abby because she was maybe 10 when she was doing this. And uh, I t I've told this story before. I said, you know, I'm the tech guy. Uh, privacy, <laughs> you don't want, you know, are there any adults on there talking to you? Things like that. She says, Dad, on my account, I'm a 33-year-old guy from Detroit. I, I drive a, t <laughs> I drive a uh, uh, what did she say? Some sort of muscle car. Uh, I'm safe. She did not. She was smart enough, even at that age, to not. And yeah. twenty years That's ago, the case. yeah, that we don't give her credit. Yeah, give we her don't credit. Give the kids credit. I wonder if is Neopets still around. That's so funny. The your editor, she must be in her thirties, right? Yeah, I think Neopets so. is going mobile. What a surprise! So it's still around. You can still, still, around. still play. Uh, big community. Nickelodeon uh, Neopets. Is that oh, do they own it now? Ah, uh, there you go. I don't know. Uh, well, okay. Where did you see Rabbit Nick? Hole. Uh, rat hole. Okay, let's not go in that. Let's let's jump out of that. <laughs> jump out of that rat hole. Uh, let's see. You put a lot of stories in here. Anything? Well, we got. Well, I what, just put the stuff. What's your What's your feeling on this wire? The wire. Not. This is not wired. This is no, a site wired. called the Wire, which I'm not familiar with. Is it Indian? It's India. It's a, it's a, it's an independent news site in India, and uh, it's a very complicated story. But basically what happened was they had a um, a leak from Facebook Meta, all kinds of bad stuff happening. And Facebook Meta, which oftentimes ignores these things, came out with very explicit denials of this. And then as it turned out, The Wire was was gamed by somebody. It could have been The Wire somebody, went, denied it, denied it, denied it, and then said, oh. And finally said, oh. And uh, so it, it, no one knows yet where this came from. Was it... A uh, an external force trying to make the wire look bad? Was it a fabulous within the company uh, trying to make things up? And they're not sure yet, but it's now the, the evidence just piled up about how this stuff was obviously fake. Um, they say and, a member of their meta investigation team is responsible. So they're oh, they're oh, blaming, so they have, this is from The Verge, they're blaming a, a staff member. It was subject to deception by one of the members of its meta investigation team. That was updated, a post updated today. Um, they they said Meta had granted an Indian politician special privileges on Instagram. Right. Facebook. So this this is more than just a a fabulous story. It goes into the very complicated politics of India. And uh, I have two students from India right now in, in our engagement class, and and they're worried about kind of a last outlet of independent media now being uh, questioned in its credibility and what that's going to do to the news ecosystem there. Audio is the white whale of social media, proclaims protocol. <laughs> a TikTok or Twitter-like platform for audio recording sounds like a solid bet on paper. Can can you say Clubhouse? Clubhouse. I, I'm old enough to remember Clubhouse, Leo. How about you? 
Someday we'll have somebody on who said, yeah, I was there at Clubhouse. Let me tell you what really happened. Audio is intimate and imaginative. The stakes are lower. The costs are more accessible compared to recording video content. Best of all, social audio appears to be new and exciting like it's never been done before. Well, protocol says actually it's it's a, it's a lot harder <laughs> yeah <laughs> than you think at least until you nail the ai discovery and audio clipping technology and that's what interests me about that is there's a lot of talk now about extracting content using ai to extract content oh they when extract. they say clipping they mean taking things. little clips out taking clips of the audio oh, and also doing discovery me. they should have talked to me that's problem number one and has been from day one in podcasting and i knew it because mm-hmm. it's it's uh, a black box. You can't, right. you know, if I'm typing a tweet, somebody can quote it, you can read it. But what happens in a podcast stays in a podcast because there's no easy way to share. But can't that. you use can't you use captioning now to to do a, a text search on it? Such yeah, we've that, tried. Yeah, what is it? What happens? So um, it or it's too inaccurate or no, what? no. Um, I think it's not easy enough. Remember, there were a number of attempts. Google had a, yeah, yeah, there a, were. a text search engine for podcasts. Didn't go anywhere. I was very hopeful because disco- that's the second side of that is discoverability. You can't share it, yes. but also people can't search for it. You know, this if this show, all you would see in the metadata for the show is Leo and Jeff talk to Rabble, maybe a little bit about Scuttlebutt or Planetary. It's going to be a sentence or two. That's the only searchable part of the show. Right. The, the inti- and you know what I'd love is a clip of the Maori uh, of oh. usage of. So you of have staff. Stuff. Staff has to do that very manually. Somebody would have, and some we do have. We pay people. You do that. You do that, and yeah. they put it up on Instagram and they put it up on Twitter. I don't know how valuable it is. We we feel like you have to do that, but you can't. But in other media, uh, your fans will do it, right? You, they, they, right? You don't have to worry about it. They'll share it. So I agree that this is kind of a problem. Is discoverability? It's always been a problem in podcasting. If they'd asked me, I could have told them. And we haven't yeah. figured it out. So uh, we have two ways we have transcripts. Uh, on the tech guy, for instance, we have a f- computer-generated transcripts, which are surprisingly good. A human then goes through it, and we post it. Steve Gibson has an actual human, a transcriptionist, no, Elaine Ferris. That still amazes me to this day. He pays somebody <laughs> to do it, which he's smart, uh, and it's on his site. And so it is searchable, and you could even Google. You could find it with Google, but I don't think, because it's not... It's not central to the search experience. Well, conversation is just not text. Yeah. That's the thing. Conversation is people going back and forth. It's context. It's all kinds of other things. It's one matter of, you know, when, when Rabble goes into soliloquy about the Maori, okay, that, that's, that's definable. But when I, when I read, uh, you know, uh, interviews with people, I hate the interview format as text. It just doesn't work very yeah. well. Protocol asks, will it ever be audio's time to shine? It's at a disadvantage in our short attention span economy filled with shiny images and the never-ending scroll. I would submit that's exactly why people like what we do, yes. for instance, because yes. it's, not, it's not that. Listening is an inherently passive experience, making it more difficult to sell to investors and the average user. Cliff Lampy, a University of Michigan professor specializing in digital communications, said, we're doing something else when we're listening to audio, right? That's not true with either reading or video. Because it grabs more of our attention. Okay. How do I, how do I consume half the books I consume? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that. But uh, it is, it's a different beast. That's why we like it. I think it's why people listen. Yeah. Uh, because we're keeping them company while they're doing something else. And exactly. it's not, you know, I used to listen to audiobooks while I played video games, and I didn't feel so guilty about wasting all that time on video games. 
You there, post- there was, so I, I just I just read a phenomenal book. It's 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 depressing as hell. Called um, by Jonathan Friedland called the Escape Artist about one of the four Jewish prisoners who escaped Auschwitz wow. and who did so to take the story outside and every and he re, he, he memorized incredible detail. Um, uh, phenomenal book. Just just probably I'm, I'm I'm trying to write a post about it. I think it's the best Holocaust chronicle I've read. Point being. I was so engaged in the book, and the way I listen to books is by driving. I, I drove around farther so I could get to the end of the book, which which way, I'm sorry to the environment. I'm sorry that's wrong. I do that all the time. Parked. Well, but, I yeah, it's, I sit in the driveway and turn off the engine. Okay, all right, yes. Because I'm a responsible <laughs> audio book yes. listener. Audio book listener. Is this, uh, what did you think about this? Is Mr. Beast actually worth one and a half billion dollars? I don't know, Mr. Beast. Have you ever watched a single Mr. Beast thing? No. I haven't either. Mr. Beast, uh, I know about him because of Renee Ritchie, who's a, now works at YouTube. But Mr. Beast is a very well-known YouTuber who built a massive audience by giving away a lot of money. A lot of money. And he's done other things. He had, I, let me see if I can find a video of this to give you some idea. He had a pot, he had a hamburger. Mr. Beast, I mean, I don't, right. I don't know right. why he's famous for hamburgers. He shouldn't be. It's like the old days of game shows. You're famous for being famous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he uh, had a pop-up hamburger at a mall. Let me show you the video. That was that was, that was at the at right here in New Jersey, and then the tens of thousands of people showed up to get yeah. a burger. It's just a burger. It's just a burger. They filled the mall. Ten thousand. But plus. a celebrity meets burger. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Here's uh, here's um, <laughs> Mr. Beast himself. That's the beast. That's the beast man. He says me. Don't show up. Lots of people will be here. You guys, lots of people are there. Six point. Okay, just to give you some idea of his power, six point two million views on this Twitter video. Let me play it again so you can hear the audio. Can you hear the audio? There is no. There's the audio. It's allowed. There's a crowd. He's like a rock star. Burgers, by the way. This is crazy. He's Why like a rock star. What's yeah, the so story? Really what happens with celebrity? Because because he's not a celebrity of the likes of you know um, Taylor Swift, but he's a big enough celebrity to to pull out ten thousand people out of six million views of the stupid video of doing nothing but waiting for a hamburger. Um, uh, it's a whole different scale. Uh, so he's twenty four year old. His real name is uh, Jimmy Donaldson. Uh, he makes kind of crazy, fun, interesting YouTube videos. And he is now trying to raise $150 million on a valuation of $1.5 billion. Is Mr. Beast, you know what? I'm not going to invest, but if I were that kind of guy, maybe. maybe. You know, it's the kind of thing where, remember we had Sam Lesson on a long time ago, where he was going to invest in the person. Yeah, whatever happened to it's that? kind of like wonder. that. Yeah. I wonder what happened to that. I wonder, I do. Yeah. He's got 109 million YouTube subscribers, the fifth most subscribed channel on YouTube, top earners among U.S. YouTubers. Uh, he has five other channels with another 82 million subscribers, three Spanish language channels. I'm sure he makes a ton of money uh, himself. Right. He's got a snack. Besides the Mr. Beast Burger, he's got a snack company called Feastables. Which raised five million on a fifty million dollar valuation. Um, but the, I guess if you invest in Mr. Beast, you get the you get payoff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, 
Yeah. He did a real-life squid game uh, last year, 25-minute video, which many say was horrific. It required $3.5 million to produce this 25-minute million video, half a million in prize money. In other words, he spent more money on his real-life squid game video than they paid, spent on the squid game itself. <laughs> So you got to admire the guy. I mean, he's a... He's well, you know, it also, is, it even goes off the old magazine model, right? People would, would, would subscribe to Sports Illustrated, they'd get a free sneaker phone. And yeah. so you ended up in the sneaker phone business. Yeah, no. You ended up in the giving away business. And and that's the one thing that kind of, for me, undermines this a little bit, is he has to, he's actually giving... So you gave away half a million dollars. Right. I don't know how how he bootstrapped this. He must have started by ten giving away $10. I think he used yeah, to... As I remember, he used to go down the street... And yes, give bums money so. and stuff. And like say, here, right. uh, here's $100. Change your I life. I think you can say bum anymore, Leo. <laughs> Once a bum, always a if bum. Stacey Frank Sinatra called you a bum. <laughs> That's right. I have a bum. You huh? are a bum. Yes. Who isn't showing ads now? Uber is going to show ads in the car. <laughs> I was in a taxi in Vegas. Ads. Yeah, um, New, York, New York's had them forever. You, 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 yeah. You're trying to find out how to turn off the sound on the damn thing. So annoying. Oh. Apple, as you know, started putting ads in the Today section of the App Store. And, uh, in fact, Marco Arment was very pissed off. He is a beloved Apple developer. Uh, and uh, he makes a, a podcast player called uh, Overcast. Let me go to his Twitter feed because this kind of says it all. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I think when Marco Arment says something, Apple listens because he's kind of part of that Apple community. Let me see if I can find his... Uh, Fanboys. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's complaining about gambling ads, and and, and everybody's complaining about there gambling ads in the recommendations. Nope, 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 it, was, it was being retweeted. Oh, stop there. Dip, dip. Now, what my app's product page shows. There. Yeah. So what happens uh, is... Now, I haven't seen this in uh, California, maybe because we have not yet approved Prop 26 and 7, which allow uh, betting, sports betting in California. It's still illegal. You have to go to a casino or a, a racetrack to bet. Uh, so maybe that's why, because these these are apps that let you gamble on your phone. Right. And by the way, I, New Jersey I, now. Uh, Lisa and I go back and forth on this. I'm voting no on this. I hate this idea. Oh, I hate this. It's, it's, it's a tax on, on schmucks. Well, it, and there's a lot of people with problems with gambling That's problems who are, are going to. This is going to be a casino in your palm. Is yeah, I, I hate. I have long. Hate, I hate the lottery. Yeah, I don't like the lottery, the lottery either. Apple has announced they are backing down. They are going to now block gambling apps. What oh, a mistake! Oh, but for piece. for the first three days of Apple advertising. Oh, here is the uh, here's the Marco Arment uh, tweet. It was. Was already bookmarked. Now my app's product page shows gambling ads, which I'm not okay with. Apple shouldn't be okay with it either. The App Store has corrupted such a great company so deeply. They make so much money from gambling and manipulated, manipulative in-app purchases. They don't even see the problem anymore. Yeah. And by the way, and watch, watch what they're going to do with data. Your data is not safe on Apple anymore because they're going to start maximizing it. They're not going to call it targeting. It's targeting. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, why, if you listen, if you want to download uh, the Overcast podcast player, you'd be interested in sports betting. Uh, it's a beyond me. I know why Apple's interested. They get 
in-app in-app purchases have become a huge money maker for Apple. That was interesting. I, I I brought in British publishers to talk to American publishers when it became legal in the U.S. Yeah, because they've had uh, bookies forever oh, for ages. And the interesting thing was, Leo, that that the, the, the they admitted that it's a terrible conflict of interest because you make money if your own readers lose money, right? You end up in that in that position. And what a terrible place for a newspaper to be <laughs> is hoping that your your readers are stupid enough to lose money. So Google announced that they were going to work on a system that would allow political campaign emails to get around the spam filters because for a long time the courts have held and it's you know part of our first amendment that political campaign messages are not spam they are they are political speech uh so in june google launched this program the federal election commission approved it it was launched last month except the republican national committee never signed up they the others other people signed up the rnc just ignored it why I think because they wanted to sue them. They have now filed a lawsuit against Google for putting RNC campaign emails in spam folders, even though Google gave them a way around it, and they decided not to do it. What's the game? Oh, I know what the game is, and you know what the game is. Big tech bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Big tech bad. Yep, you're exactly right. Um, moral panic. Where's Ant with his moral panic, son? <laughs> uh, Ant will be back uh, next week. I have been playing with the brand new Facebook Oculus Quest Pro. I guess they don't use Oculus anymore. Um, it came yesterday. This is the most expensive uh, VR helmet I've ever purchased. I think it's one of the most expensive on the market. What's 16, the price again? Sixteen hundred dollars. Sixteen hundred. But uh, it's not tethered. It's got much higher res screens. It's got better cameras. The cameras can see your hands. They have controllers, but you don't have to use the controllers. And the cameras are in color, uh, and you can see the outside world. Kind of a low-res version of the outside world. So it's a little weird. It turns the world on its head. Like, the real world looks like a fake world, and the fake world looks like a real world. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little weird. But, you know, you can at least walk around without walking into walls. Uh, and I'm actually quite impressed. I, I, Have you seen I, any application that would augment the real world? Well, here's the, the funny the thing. Part? They offer a whole bunch of productivity apps, none of which I have any yeah. interest in. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do my Microsoft Word there. I'm not going to have team meetings there. I don't want to wear it more than just playing. So I played a dancing game, Beat Synth. <laughs> we want fun. video. We demand video. <laughs> It's probably looked pretty pretty stupid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, actually, I think Lisa posted on her Twitter a video of me with the first game. Say inside Twit. Okay. Thank you. It's posted on our promotional <laughs> Twitter feed. Inside Twit. I first set it up, and the first game I played. What? what oh, you pinned this old tweet. That's an old one. Here's the new one. First game I played, you have a virtual, um, like, lizard that you can pet him. Here, let me turn on the sound. <laughs> you can pet him. Mushroom tree. Here. Okay, so you're starting to play a Scritchy game. Lizard. You have a dinosaur. I'm in a, I'm in a space. It's raining out. I'm, like, in a castle. There's a giant, like, tree, mushroom tree. And there's this animal. And uh, you I cook, can, you cook for the him. animal. 
you throw a fetch. There's a fetch stick you throw. Yeah, it's kind of the full size. What's the game you're playing? It's called Bogo. 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 Buy one, get one free. It sounds like Lisa is your therapist. Yeah, she's trying. She went to bed, and I. Where can I get an apple? I, <laughs> oh, look. Okay. Apple. It's inevitable. There's no way you cannot be a dork using these things. Yeah. Yeah. But I inside, you know, life is wonderful. So wow. I understand we, um, are you going to sell these? Yes, they're in the store right now. They're in the store? With twit.tv slash store? <laughs> okay. Uh, in the Twig Slack. Ladies and gentlemen, our, uh, our, uh, we have now created a T-shirt. In the uh, Twit store, the real Chief Twit. <laughs> Take that, Elon. I want everybody to uh, go to where get this shirt and and wear it over to the Twitter headquarters. Take that, Elon. The real. I'm the real. The one. The only. The original. So I could. So I wasn't sure. Should I change my Twitter handle to the original Chief Twit? But you said the real Chief Twit. Right? I said real. So thanks to you, we now have a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I now have to buy one. <laughs> uh, we'll send you one. <laughs> no, and I'll buy one. That might be your Christmas gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, um, this is easier Love without uh, without Stacy getting mad at me for saying things like <laughs> whatever it was I said. Uh, t- Texas, uh, also, you know, the uh, headquarters of the anti-big tech movement, especially Ken Paxton, the... <sighs> Cuckoo, Attorney General of the great state of Texas, now suing Texas, uh, sorry, suing Google over the use of facial images. They said, uh, you didn't obtain user consent for biometric data use in the Nest cameras, for instance, which identify people when you come to your door. Uh, They've already sued Meta over this. In fact, Meta discontinued its use of face recognition technology last year. Meta's scared that is scared of texas maybe google should too google texas alleged google had used features in google photos and google assistant as well as its nest smart home products to collect and store facial and voice recognition data without obtaining proper consent i'm not sure what proper consent is but i know when i do the face recognition i mean i know i'm told in fact on my nest camera it said this may be illegal in some states don't you know you're going to be doing face recognition Texas has a law passed in 2009, kind of like Illinois' biometric consent law. The Capture or Use of Biometric Identifier Act outlawed the collection and sharing of biometric information in the state without informed consent. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, Google had previously agreed to pay $100 million in a clash action lawsuit in Illinois because of the Illinois privacy laws. What about Apple and your phone? Is it because it stays on the phone? Or? It stays on the phone. That's exactly right. Apple's very careful to make sure that that information stays in your phone. Which Google usually does. Or not, no, let's say it can't, because if you're doing uh, Google Photos, well, I guess you could do it on the phone. Apple does it on the phone. I guess you could, yeah. So maybe maybe Ken Paxton isn't all wrong here. Oh, uh, <laughs> But I, I hate to give him the benefit of the doubt. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> all right, what else do you want to, uh, want to talk uh, about here? Do you want to do a change log? Uh, no, I really don't. Okay. Is there a change log? <laughs> there is one. I'm trying to think what's in there. Um, Go, I'll YouTube do it, has do, a redesign. Do it real quickly. Play the thing. Okay. All right. The Google change log. 
I'll do this really quickly. Google Home Web App starts rolling out to view rolling out to view live Nest feeds. Google Home Web App starts rolling out to view live Nest feeds. I have this is kind of this is a new game we're going to play on the Google Change Log. <laughs> Can you understand the change log? Read the headline and then you tell us. Google Home Web App starts rolling out to view live Nest feeds. Older cameras supported. I can always view That's my really live dramatically Nest feeds. awful, but I guess it means you can watch your camera in Nest. I right? could always, I could always do that. Yeah, I don't get those. Good. Next, next, next. Google Maps has removed its COVID nineteen layer. Mission accomplished. It's over. Oh jeez. Meanwhile, three of my faculty members, my sister just got it. Take off your mask, everybody. It's mask. over. You are in the uh, the new BQ one arena. Yes. In fact, I just read a report that New York's uh, rate of BQ1, which is the new variant of concern, doubled in the last week. It was 8% of the infections last week, was 17% this week. So uh, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> this one uh, is. So uh, my wife said that Peter Hotez, who's the brilliant doctor from, from Texas, said that there's so many variants now, we're into Scrabble high value letters. <laughs> Good line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wear your it. mask. Get your vax. I got an appointment for the uh, my fifth shot. Yeah, I got the fifth yep. shot. Number five on Tuesday. Good wow. Point. Wow. And I and I've I had still COVID, haven't had it. It should count a little bit, right? Two of our employees had it. One of them completely symptom free. Didn't even know he had it. Had a PCR test and oh look, you have COVID. But I don't have COVID. Well, you must have. Because your test says you do, and uh, another one I think got sick at a wedding. So we're because just... my, my sister goes to theater and d- dinners. We and were stuff, in Vegas. So... I went to Vegas for three days. Well, that's right. You did go to Vegas. I gambled. So here, the stupid thing, Lisa. You know, whatever my spouse does, I gotta do, and and whatever she doesn't do, I can't do. Because if she gets it, I'm gonna get it. So we have to kind of all right. We have to kind of agree on what it's we're like. Doing. Both of you eating garlic, so you don't bother each other. Exactly. Right. So we both wore a mask. Airport, plane, airport, hotel. Completely the whole time. Didn't even eat. Just just wore a mask. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to sneak some nuts up under the mask. <laughs> Get to Vegas and no one. Is, no, of course no not. No one. Of course not. And there's loud singing and shouting and dancing in the streets. It's all over, folks. So I, we, uh, we both took off our masks and we didn't wear them. And then on the way home, we, we masked up for the airport again. <laughs> I don't know. You were probably safest in the airport, it's, not in the casino. Yeah, it's security theater. Uh, yeah, exactly. we, we played, we, Lisa did slots. and <sighs> we, I don't think I got sick. Google is giving workspace individual subscribers. No, this is not the story. A big... Storage Oops, sorry. bump. Oops, sorry. That's my fault. Yeah, it's, it's okay. going up to like one terabyte or something. It's nice. Huge. 15 megs to nice. gigs to one terabyte is huge. You didn't get a terabyte before? I, I have a workspace. Um, the business accounts account. get a terabyte each. Yeah, and, and, and so I'm only just me, but but I but two of my friends from I, work, I haven't worked with for 10 years, I gave them Buzz Machine email addresses. So they're still on it, and I'm not going to kick them off. So I'm, I'm still on the corporate thing. Did you know that YouTube had a redesign? I did not, except I put this in there. I did not either. 
Makes it easier to fast forward or rewind to the right part. It adds a subtle, amb- very subtle, ambient lighting effect if you have the dark theme set. Oh, that's why you don't know, Jeff. Yes. Adjusting the app's color background to match what you're watching. Oh, that's kind of cool. And you can pinch and z- pinch to zoom. That's cool. That's cool. That is an improvement. Zoom yeah. in on videos the way you do on photos. Oh, this, this the scrubber is neat. You just touch it and it scrubs? Well, no, go back on that same video. Just go back a little bit. Uh, I can't tell which there. is the control. No, no, that's the control. I know. <laughs> I can't. That's their scrubber. That's their... Oh, is that our scrubber? No, that's, that's their, their scrubber. scrubber. Whose scrubber oh, is it oh, anyway? Okay. All right. <laughs> I can't. There's no. That was dumb of me. There's no scrubber. Oh, it's a new scrubber. No, Jeff. It's the. Uh, after weeks of testing. Weeks. How committed is that? We tested this for weeks. Is that two weeks? <laughs> Three weeks? YouTube is introducing the ambient mode. This is what uh, like high-end home theater folks do. They put ambient lighting like from Hue and other companies behind their TV that adjusts to the action on the TV. So if it, it's so weird. But people That's do it. Scott, Will, Scott Wilkinson does it. Thumbs down, John? John's giving it a thumbs down. Yeah, I agree with John. John's right. It's called a bias light. It does not change. Scott's the one who told me about the changing ones. He doesn't. He just uses a regular everyday bias light. Okay. Thank you, John. He's defending Scott. He was very. He was very uh, animated on that. He really. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, don't you defame Scott Wilkinson? Uh, okay, a bias light. I got it. I got it. YouTube Premium getting a price hike for family plans, twenty two ninety nine a month. See, this is interesting because so it, we're all being hit by inflation, right? Prices right. are going up. I understand the price of gas went up. I understand the price of carrots went up. I understand the price of, uh, what is it, crudite? I understand that those went up. Oz. Uh, but... So I feel like this is a little bit of price gouging. Both Apple and Google raised the prices of their subscription plans. Yeah. Like, did your costs go up just now suddenly? And and why did those go up if they did? It's all, see, this company's just to go jumping on the bandwagon. Everybody's yeah. doing it, raise the prices. Google Messages tests a new design for delivered and read indicators. Do you use Google Messages for your? Yes, I do. Okay. Because I don't have Apple. I'm not cool. Well, they also they put a new. Uh, 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 it, it disturbed me. I, it got a new icon for Google Messages, and I said, "Where my messages go?" Oh, it's new. Yeah, that's the new thing, by the way. Yeah. And I don't like it. Uh, companies change their icons sometimes, like every day. <laughs> they, they, you know, every update there's a new icon. Don't stop it. Yeah, yeah. So this is the which one? This is the new one with the. the no, which is no, the new it has one? A little, it has a little quote and a quote. Whatever you showed before had it. The update. Uh, oh, there it is. That's ew. The That's the icon. Ew. Yeah. It looks like um, double vision. Yeah. That's not a good. Oh God. Um. And also, is the is the speech bubble backwards? It looks like it's backwards. Shouldn't it be coming from left to right? Not, not right to left. Go look know. at a comic book. Does well, sometimes on where the character is. Do they sometimes have the speech bubble coming out the left side of the, of the head? This sure. looks, doesn't look right. Does that, doesn't that look is. backwards? It looks like a P now, not a... 
Well, now, now that you said that, I won't see it any differently. It's a P. Yeah. And that's the Google Change Log. We did it. See, that was you worthwhile. It. You did it. You did it. You, it you, you stuck it out. I have one. I have the world's fastest story. Okay. Uh, I noticed today that the New York Times got rid of tech from its nav bar. I think that. Means oh, something. God damn it. <laughs> I don't know what. That's a bad sign for me. No, mine's got tech. It does? Look. Mine doesn't. Oh, it's because of you. I'm logged in. Are you Are you logged in? Yes, I'm logged in. They added, on the right for mine, they added games, the athletic, cooking, and wire cutter, and they had to take something out, and they took out tech. Oh, yeah. Well, wait a minute. Let me do a hard refresh. You can watch the tech disappear. No, I still have it. You're in an oh, A-B weird. test, my friend. I sure am. Because mine has world U.S. politics, New York business. Yeah, David Eisenberg tech. said he didn't have it. He he still had it too. Yeah. No, you're in you're in some sort of weird A/B test. Oh, well, they're seeing what happens if we if we start ignoring technology. It changes better on better than covering it the way they cover it. So it'll be fine. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just a real quick plug to join the club. We had a very big night last night. Crossed the five thousand member line. Yeah, but don't stop. No, I, you know, 5,000 members means, uh, if we have, um, I can't remember what our total reach is. I think it's four or 5 million a month, but how many uniques do you think we have? Let's say it's a million. I wish Rabble were here. He could probably do the math on this. 5,000 <laughs> is 0.05%, I think, or something like that. That means that's about, that's about a newspaper conversion rate now. It's terrible. The New York Times conversion is up to like three percent, and 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 public radio and public broadcasting about five percent, six six to ten percent, six yep. to ten. So I think we're going to start doing pledge breaks. <laughs> no, I promise. No, I promise. No, that's Give why. money or Jarvis will start talking I about have Gutenberg. A Jim Neighbors box set. Every one of you is going to get <laughs> if you just subscribe. You no. can get your chief twit, your real chief twit uh, T-shirt. Get the T-shirt. Give enough. Get no. We're not going to do that. No premiums. Look at you know what you know what you get. You get the f- good feeling that you're helping keeping this show Amen. and all of our shows on the air. We had one ad today, uh, and I hate to say it, but next year is really looking bleak right now. We want to keep the lights on. We want to keep our staff employed. Please, please, please. We want to keep doing the shows we're doing. We want to add new shows. And the club lets us do all of that. The club is $7 a month. That's not much. What do you get? Ad-free versions of all the shows because you're paying us, so we're not going to give you any ads. You don't, We wouldn't even hear this ad. You also get Twit Plus bonus content, stuff before and after shows, uh, and shows we make specifically for the club. Like the Hands on Mac show with Micah Sargent, Hands on Windows with Paul Thorat. We've got some new shows in the works if you join. If you join. And I really shouldn't downplay the most, to me, the most wonderful thing about Club Twit uh, is uh, the fabulous Discord. Wait a minute. Are you, it, Anthony Nielsen, are you going to offer Club Twit 10% off at checkout? Oh, wait a minute. I don't understand what this is. Oh, if you use the offer code CLUBTWIT, 10% off your T-shirt. Ah. Oh. This is, by the way, the thing you don't want, which is that lighting changing as you're watching TV. <laughs> you don't oh, want that. I thought he was showing us a dot bar. I thought it was, too. I don't know. No, if you want the T-shirt, 
Uh, use the offer code Club Twit. So we this is the first time we've ever done this, but I think it's a good thing. Ten percent off. It's only twenty two twenty two. So now it'll be twenty. I think the gray is nicer, or eighteen ninety nine or something. Yeah, I like the gray. Well, you can look. There's all sorts of colors. There's purple. Aunt would like that. There's light gray. There's dark gray. There's it's been washed too much and it's starting to fade out gray. And there's no orange. Sorry, Aunt. And colors, by the way, I mean sizes, because we know you go all the way up to five XL. <laughs> so programmer size. Here's the deal. That has nothing to do with the club. The club is the thing that's going to keep us going, and we really appreciate all of our club members. We're so happy to have 5,000. Thanks to all the individual members. We also have quite a few corporate members now. All the details. You can even buy individual shows for two ninety nine if you don't want to spend 7 bucks. And I understand. Look, I know money's tight. If you can't, pl- don't worry. Please, we continue to offer this show and all the shows we do ad-supported for free, and we will do so as long as we can. Um, not a promise we'll do it forever because, honestly... It's getting tight. It's getting tight out there. Club Twit is at twit.tv slash club. There. And and no Jim Neighbors box set. I promise. Okay. Club Twit. Twit.tv free, slash club. Free uh, gas station sushi mailed to <laughs> We'll express mail it so it'll only be a few days old. How about yeah, that? Yeah, along with your, what was that bread maker you had there? The, uh, <laughs> the roti machine. The roti. Yeah, we'll get to the roti too. <laughs> Twit Rody. Um I didn't make Rabble do a thing. You know what? Rabble's still here. Can I can I just say that? He, Are you serious? Yeah, he didn't leave. Oh, yeah. did, oh did you did you guys know that Twit's supporter, Club Twit, has a higher rate of paying subscribers than either Snapchat or Twitter with Twitter Blue? They're they're under like point two <laughs> really? percent. Yeah. Wow. Well then, I then so you're I doing better than Snapchat and Twitter as we should. Hi, Rabble. It's so nice to see Hi. you. <laughs> you're hanging out. I like this. This is this is like somebody who calls the, the people who call into Howard Stern and say, "Can I stay on hold so I can listen, to Howard?" <laughs> Aren't you bored? Well, we're glad you stuck around. No, no, it's yeah, fascinating. <laughs> you're seeing the the uh, sausage get made. I guess is is the thing. All right, we've adjusted. You could have had you talk about all these stories. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. If I'd known, I would have potted you up and, and brought you in. Is there a story? You, you know, I saw you read the, the rundown. Is there any story we missed on the rundown you want to mention? No, the 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 one thing, the anecdote that I thought I might mention when you guys talking about like audio and breaking up the audio podcast and things like that yeah. is yeah. one of the prototypes we built at the same time that we built Twitter, we called Ketchup, which was social voicemail. You'd call into a phone number and it would know who your contacts were, and you would record a message, and then you would hear the audio message of everyone who was one of your contacts. Basically, audio recorded Twitter. It was terrible. I love <laughs> that idea. I want to do that. That's a great idea. Um, but <laughs> when I, I was been, I've been playing with uh, GPT-3 and OpenAI and, yeah. and podcast yeah. transcript, and trying to figure out how to take automated generated podcast transcripts and then convert them into articles because there's a, a known form by which you right. take an interview That's right. and a journalist builds an article. And so, right. so many times we have all these podcast interviews that could be shorter formed, condensed articles. Oh, yeah. Like the interview we just it's did with formulaic. you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
like we know how you would take all of that concept and like some other information, put it together and you could produce a one or two page article out of it. Right. And um, I just, you know, I have other things I'm doing, so I can't. <laughs> can't as I, as I like to, to say, text but, is just another form of data visualization. Exactly. Um, but and then you could translate the transcripts into different languages. And all of a sudden you'd have a whole bunch of articles about interesting things in a ton of different languages. Um, I feel where bad. we're because, just leaving all these ideas on the table here. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's true, though. I don't know if you have this experience. I guess you kind of alluded to it. There's a lot of things you can do in the world and no one has time yeah. to do them all, you know, and somebody That's creative like you comes so up with a lot of ideas. You have to kind of jobs always said the most important part of his job was to say no, <laughs> you know, no, we're not going to yeah. do that. It's a good idea. We're not going to do that. Um, there's a guy in our chat room, Gumby, who said uh, he was hearing your phone thing. He said, we did a project like that in Zimbabwe during the repression we did voicemail allowed social networks to run under the radar because nobody was monitoring the, the phone network. I did that with a student uh, in Nigeria uh, where she was basically creating a radio station through phone calls. <gasps> cool. For a while there was, and I knew that they wouldn't go anywhere, you could listen to this show on the phone. <laughs> wow. There were people who contacted us and said, we're going to give Twig a phone number, and anybody who wants to call that number... We'll hear the show. And I thought, no one is going to do that. And they didn't. I don't think so. I don't know. They may still offer the number. Maybe there's still a phone number. Maybe hello I, out there. I didn't say no. Today. I didn't say no. I said, if well, you want to do that, fine. But I'm not I'm not paying for it. it. It's so great to have you, Rebel. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate no, thank it. Thank you. I'm, I think if you have a pick of the week, it should absolutely be planetary. It's a wonderful uh, piece yes. of software. I can't wait to play with it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. It's great. Yeah, I, I cringe every time I watch someone over their shoulder use it because of all the all the usability problems and everything else. But uh, it, we've got to start somewhere. Was it hard to get approval from Apple? We did get rejected a few times and had to. We had an argument about whether or not it's more like a web browser or more like a social network, and so that's why we added this callback system to a blacklist. So. The only sharing with third-party data we do is the stuff that Apple requires us to send data to Zendesk so that you can do reporting, so you can do blocking. So that part was a little tricky because they don't they don't really understand that it's not a centralized network. I just got fifteen unread posts and a bunch of people following me. So thank you, <laughs> thank you. I really, now you hook me really up. appreciate it. I'll hook you up too. Jeff, thank you, Rabble. Jeff, what's your number of the week? Well, I got Edelman has a new trust barometer special report for technology. They do they do this trust barometer. Usually they, they reveal it in Davos when I used to go. Um, and now this is just about technology. So 76% of people trust the technology sector. Wow. That's pretty amazing to me. That's and impressive. by the way, it is the most trusted sector. Wow. Beverage, healthcare, manufacturing, retail. So all the... Get ready. Moral panic about how the technology is awful and everybody hates it. Um, that's the media's view. That's not the public's view. That was my number. 76%. Obviously, if you include in social media, things go down a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. But that's part of it, too. 10% yeah. less likely to trust the tech sector if you include social media. But that's in developed markets. 
Undeveloped yes. markets that may be very different because case, uh, yeah. that's uh, that's so important. Somebody sent me a, a really good uh, series of conversations with uh, one of our uh, club members who lives in Nairobi, uh, who says, you, you know, you guys are a little uh, U.S. a little a lot yeah, 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 <laughs> U.S. Yeah. centric, uh, and uh, you know, he was talking about blockchain, which I've been kind of down on, but he says you're seeing a lot of it. In uh, in Africa, uh, in uh, UNICEF has backed a venture called Kotani Pay, which uh, provides the infrastructure to pay a universal basic income to refugees living in camps in several parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of money; it's two dollars a day. But normally, those funds, notoriously, he says, those funds typically don't get to refugees; they're stolen by corrupt government officials along the way. That's well, always one a time big I went to Nigeria. The, the, the f- mobile phone payment system there is amazing. I mean, it's yeah. outside of China. It's well, there's m That's right. Yeah. And he talks about m because he also says, you know, this idea of creating a WeChat in the U.S. isn't so far-fetched. Uh, it, there are these X apps in uh, China, obviously, in India, in Kenya, uh, and, and they're used by billions of people. So, yeah, true. Anyway, Jay, thank you. I appreciate your, uh, your thoughts, and uh, we will... Speaking of blockchain, there was a little thing. More. Somebody, I think it was Gizmodo, tried to say that um, uh, Blue Sky was blockchain, and Jay Graber had to come on Twitter and say, no, it's not. Oh, yeah. I know blockchain. <laughs> this ain't blockchain. We we get all that, that all the time with Planetary and Scuttlebutt as well. It's like we use a lot of the blockchain technology. I call us a blockchain adjacent, but there's no mining. There's no consensus. Right. We don't have a single unified chain, and we don't. You know, we don't require there to be financial transactions for everything because it, it doesn't need to be unified like that. And you don't uh, store Jay has a, right? Jay has a great article on called Web3 is self-certifying, which talks about how the Web3, her positioning is that Web3 can be, it's all self-certifying technologies where you create your own keys and you validate yourself and then you're validated with others, some of which are blockchain and cryptocurrency projects, but a bunch of which like, Scuttlebutt, Planetary, and Blue Sky are not. Interesting. There is, and I, I guess I should point you to Bloomberg Business Week this week, uh, the at issue takeover by Matt Levine, a 50,000-plus word story. Uh, it's all about crypto and uh, and what it means and what it is. And, da, da, da. It's, and I've been told by people who've read it, I haven't gotten around to it, but I shall, uh, that this is a very good primer for people who want to know more about what's going on in uh, crypto and in and DeFi and uh, in blockchain. Um, Matt Levine is very good at this, so I think this should be uh, well worth reading. That will be my pick of the week. How about that? That's there. Bloomberg Business Week. Thank you, Rabble, for being thank here. You, it's you, so great you. to meet thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. What's your son's name? His name is Camilo. Camilo. Hi, yeah. Camilo. Yeah. It's nice to see you on the yeah. Twitch. <laughs> you think he'll, do you think he'll make it through watching uh, Dad, uh, or or is it like every fifteen year old? Uh, okay, I saw enough. I I I don't know. Maybe he will. You know, it is his lunch break right now, so he might be watching. Good. So, hi, Camilo. Hi, Camilo. Hey, Camilo. <laughs> and uh, and all all the best. Is New Zealand still very COVID free? Is it still a very uh, safe place to be? Uh, there's there, uh, you know. We got here during lockdown and had to go through the quarantine and the hotel and everything else. And by February, it had kind of escaped the quarantine system. So now New Zealand is 
basically the same as everywhere else, um, except everyone's vaccinated and people follow public health rules. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I see in the chat that you helped out with that Zimbabwe phone network. You actually- oh, yeah, that was the funny thing. Yeah, I, I, I was doing that, and we also did a an alert system. There was an NGO that was working with child soldiers in in the Congo where they needed like so we we set up this thing where we would set up phone numbers in Belgium that would ring so you could call in Belgium because the Belgians, of course, were the former colonial owners of Congo. And then it would ring to the local government officials in the eastern Congo. And so these government officials just weren't doing anything about child soldiers and they weren't doing anything else. But we had NGOs on the ground who were like, we need people in this village and we need this stuff right now. And so we just set up these phone numbers in Belgium and then got activists in Belgium to call. And it turned out that like a person speaking French with a Belgian accent calling from Belgium freaked out the local government officials oh. and they did stuff when they weren't just like they, they weren't doing anything when the locals said you need to act <laughs> up. And it was a, it was like a small little project, but That's brilliant. you know, it was like, what can we do with phones to like nice. change the world? It turns out that like just routing phone numbers worked. Amazing. Pleasure talking to you, Rabble. Jeff Jarvis, what a, what thank you. Thank you, uh, Buzzmachine.com, at Jeff Jarvis. And his new book is out from Bloom. No, no, it'll be out in June, but you can pre-order it. Is out in June, is about what I was about to say, uh, from <laughs> Bloomsbury. You can order it at bit.ly slash by Gutenberg. B-U-Y, not B-Y. B-U-Y, Gutenberg. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We do Twig every Wednesday afternoon. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us next week, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. You can watch live at live.twit.tv, chat live in our IRC at irc.twit.tv. That's where Rabble is. Uh, You can also chat with us on our Discord if you're a club member. Uh, And, of course, get after the fact copies of the show on demand at twit.tv slash twig. Uh, there's a YouTube channel dedicated to it, and the best thing to do would be subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you get it automatically the minute it's available. Thanks for joining us on Twig. Thank you, Rabble. Thank you, Jeff. We'll see you Thank next you time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, Camillo. Go back Bye. to school. Lunchtime is <laughs> Go back over. to class. Go back to class. No games. Study hard. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? I am Ant Pruitt, and I am the host of Hands-On Photography here on Twit TV. I know you got yourself a fancy smartphone, you got yourself a fancy camera, but your pictures are still lacking. Can't quite figure out what the heck shutter speed means? Watch my show. I got you covered. Want to know more about just the ISO and exposure triangle in general? Yeah, I got you covered. Or if you got all of that down, you want to get into lighting, you know, making things look better by changing the lights around you. I got you covered on that too. So check us out each and every thursday here on the network go to twit.tv slash hop and subscribe today